Talk with Ben Tompkins. Hi, what's good? How is everybody doing? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by Nobody Currently, but these are the mixtape days, and that's all going to change very soon. I hope everybody's been really good. I've been pretty good. I've been pretty busy lately. Uh, Last week was a ringer. Let me tell you about it. And this is Uber Stories Kentucky Derby. So last week had to be a ringer because... Last week, if you're not from Kentucky you, you and, and you've never been to the Derby, you wouldn't know this, but the Kentucky Derby is our Super Bowl. This city just, there there is a buzz and a vibrancy of this city that is unlike anything else in sports, in entertainment. For one week out of the year, this is the place to be. And that's like a lot of the identity that gets woven into what it means to be from Louisville and it's basketball, it's bourbon and it's horse racing. And the Kentucky Derby is the event. It is what we base the year around. It was why last year when we had to do the Kentucky Derby in September and I did Kentucky Derby Uber stories and I drove on Derby day, it was just a different experience. Hardly anybody could go. It was, you know, not the first Saturday in May, which is traditionally the, date that Derby happens every year, and it was just very, very odd, as was most of the the, the way that uh, 2020 went, but it was awesome because, um, you know, I didn't know this, I guess it makes sense now, but the Kentucky Derby was the largest public gathering that we've had since the quarantine, which is pretty fucking cool that Kentucky can be the one to kind of open back up and usher back in a new era, I don't know, a new like point on the timeline where it's like, hey, okay, we've got this massive public gathering that's pretty good. Like, And as somebody that's fully vaccinated, I feel pretty good about that. You know, I'm like, hey, I'm ready to get back at it, man. I, re- I really am. So um, the fact that it could happen here was awesome. I met a lot of really, really cool people in the last week. And that's the cool thing too, is like, it's not just this episode isn't necessarily just about the people that I met that were from Louisville. I got to meet a lot of people who were traveling in from outside of Louisville, which I like because there's something about, um, like, like, let me put it this way. Okay. No disrespect to Louisville, but Louisville is a city in which you ask somebody the first time that you meet them, Hey, where did you go to high school? Because The assumption is that you're going to know that person or know their friends or know their cousin or like it's just like this really smaller pool, right? A smaller pond. Um, When you go to big cities that that's not, you know, it's like, hey, where were you born? You know, or where did you move here from? Where did you transplant from? A lot different, right? So when there's an event that happens that brings a lot of people in, I love that. I think it's really cool. I, I And I absolutely had a blast last week. I went for some PRs last week. We'll get to that. And uh, obviously a lot of stories, a lot of stories. Now, this episode is going to go a little bit differently in that usually, if you're a first-time listener, then welcome to the show, my friends, all right? Usually what will happen is when I do one of these Uber stories, I will take like the five best stories from the previous week or, or whenever, right? And I will tell those stories and just kind of bounce around and have a transition between each one and I'll name the stories. And then on the last story of each episode, I'll typically use that one as a, a feel-good story or something with a positive message, something kind of uplifting because I like to end on a positive note, all right? I'm a positive guy most of the time, all right? 
But what I've learned in doing a couple of episodes that are just like events, sometimes in this case, and this is the way that we're going to do this episode, is the storytelling is better if it's linear. I'm telling the event of, I guess, really three days, Thurby, Oaks, and Derby. But what I'm really doing is kind of picking start to finish because I'll be honest, like I didn't get a ton of stories like I get when it's a Thursday afternoon and I'm riding around and this rider and I have like 20 minutes unabridged to really go deep into their life story. I got some of that still, but a lot of this week was just flying around. Here's a little funny bit from this ride, and here was something funny that happened on this ride, and oh my gosh, these three guys were in here, and they were just like, it was chaos, and everybody was talking, and and that's really how it went, was just kind of like this manic, I'm just going from ride to ride to ride to ride, and by the end of the week, I was spent. I was spent. I did 83 rides. 83 rides, and my previous PR was something in the 60s, I think 64 or something, like, so we smashed it, I did 70 rides before Thursday uh, was even over with, so that tells you anything about the way that the week went, it was just, it was madness, it was, and but it was awesome, because it was like our madness, right, this is like our thing, and for everybody else in the sports world that gets fixated and caught up with like wanting to come to Louisville and drink the old fashions or the mint juleps and they want to wear the hats, the ladies and the fellas, they want to wear their seersuckers and look fresh as fuck. And it's, it's just something that you got to do and check out once before you check out. Okay. So definitely if you have never been here, you should definitely come and see why we call this the Derby city. All right. But This episode is going to go a little bit differently in that way, where it's just going to be like, hey, we're going to be flying around. I don't have a ton of long stories. Um, I do have a number of different stories and and, kind of like exchanges and little things that I'm going to get to from Thurby. And then Oaks, I spent a little bit, um, I spent Oaks a little bit differently where I took Oaks as a day to just take to myself, (laughs) you know, like I drove so much this last week that I only did one ride on Oaks and I used the, the the night of Oaks to hang out with my friends and throw a little derby party. And uh, that was cool. And I needed that day in order to recharge for between Thursday and Saturday because I knew Saturday was going to be kind of a stressful day, kind of a chaotic day, not stressful, just stressful in the way that there's like a lot of people There are a lot of cars, there's a lot of road closures, and the later and later and later it gets in the day, there's probably a lot more drunk drivers that are behind the wheel, which is not great, okay? Not cool. So I didn't go too late on Derby because of that, because I didn't want to fucking have some idiot on amateur hour or blacked out or barred out come and uh, hit me and my riders. Like, that's that's not cool, okay? So, um, I was just, I, I played it smart. I played it safe, derby night. But all in all, the week was really great. And again, it's like, I, <laughs> I will... 
I'll be on this path and then I'll meet somebody, you know, it's like I'll wake up and I'm kind of like dragging a little bit and I'm tired and maybe there are days, even though I love what I'm doing right now, there are still days where I feel like uh, the driving part of it feels more like work rather than oh, I can't wait to see who's going to get in the car next. Like, there's just the, those those kind of moments where it's just like, man, I just kind of want to listen to some music and get through this day, right? I think we all have that. Even in the jobs that we say that we love, I'm sure that by and large, 95% of the job, we do love it. But there are also some days in dream jobs where you just go, man, today's a fucking Wednesday, man. You know, let's just get through this one, right? That's natural. That's normal. So, um, I can't even remember where I was going with that, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump in here because we do have some good stories. Oh, here was oh so Oaks. Um, what I did on Oaks was host the these uh, Survivor drinking games. Okay, it was something that I created. Um, I'm trying to get into hosting. And emceeing events, I want to be the party guy. I, I want to be the guy that companies hire to come and host their event because I'm a good time. And because when people are with me, we have a good time, right? So how do I do that? How do I build that skill, right? There's not really a job or an internship that lets you go, hey, here is the path to do this and get here, right? I talked about this a few weeks ago where I was saying like, hey, If you don't have sponsorships yet and you're trying to land sponsorships, whether you run a blog, whether you run a podcast, whether you run a business, if you're trying to land sponsorships, you kind of have to do a little bit of that stuff for free because every time you do it, it's an audition for the person who comes along that is going to pay you to do it. You need to be able to show them something like, hey, here's this spot that I did or hey, here's how I talk about these businesses and here's how it's going to potentially sound when I'm representing you and your business, right? So at first, you have to kind of do that kind of stuff. Well, the same thing goes for like who just wakes up and becomes an influencer? Nobody, right? How do you wake up and become a Jeff Probst? Like, what is the path to get there, right? It's not like, hey, go host this little show at this little network and then go get to this bigger show at a bigger network. Like, well, actually, as I'm saying that, maybe, you know, but like, okay, but but, but, but let me back up. How do you get that first hosting job, right, at the small station, right? There aren't a lot of internships or opportunities for you to just like be hosting something. You kind of have to be developing and curating that skill on your own and be creative about it so that when you finally are ready to go and apply at the small station and eventually the bigger station and eventually a national station and so on and so forth, you have to have some experience to to be able to draw upon, right? And so I'm thinking of ways where I can do things that will allow me to do that. And get comfortable doing that. And I and I I am comfortable doing that. But so I wanted to host this Survivor Games and I had what I've been <laughs> you'll hear in this little clip that I'm gonna play later, uh, the beta group. And I was saying that because I'm like, this is like a test run, all right? This is like an opportunity for me to do this. I don't know exactly how it's going to go yet, but I want to get some feedback on this. Let's see if you guys have a good time. If you're into this, then we'll definitely do it again. Definitely plan ahead a little bit better so that I can get more people involved in this. And also just figure out how the night is going to flow, okay? And it went really well. And then... 
three of my friends came down and we taped something after some sour beers were consumed, okay? And it was really fun. So we used the night to, uh, I, I in that episode or in that little interview where they come down and they're like checking out the, the studio and everything, we actually detail, I do, um, the games and the way that the night went and it's really funny because I mean my man Mike Bond is an OG he's a ball player so is Jarrett Link and my friend Whitney Roberts like all of these people I love very very much and these people were actually some of the OGs that were there when I originally were were kind of doing this survivor boom thing and hosting and narrating and I just came home I was so juiced up and I came home and taped for the love of the game and then that just kind of put me on uh, a new level or a new new wave right a new vibe I was like okay the specials thing this is coming along and I wanted to repay that so for so long I've wanted to get this group together again and finally I was able to get some of the people that were there not everybody that was that, that was there that night could make it um, but definitely I'm hoping to get everybody together at the next one and what we came down to the studio and laid down was pretty funny. There's some pretty funny parts. So that'll be in there. And uh, yeah, this is going to be a great episode. So I want to reset really quickly before I jump into the stories. Go ahead, get your timers. Here we go, the elevator pitch for new people who are finding this for the very first time. I'm blasting this episode all throughout Louisville, probably for the next week on Facebook marketing and Instagram. But for anybody that is out of the market, anybody that's joining me through any of the other Instagram advertising that I'm doing or um, any of my TikTok people, I just got on Clubhouse recently. So there's, there's, there's continuously more and more and more people who are now coming to the show. And so for you guys who are listening to this for the very first time, Welcome. All right. Good to have you. I'm 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 hoping that you'll want to continue along and ride with me as we go along this journey. But um I want to go ahead and give you the who, what, when, where, and why. So who I am, my name is Ben Tompkins. I host this podcast that you're listening to right now, okay? It's called Real Talk. That's who I am. That's what I do. Um, I do this because I never want anybody to feel as shitty or as alone or as abandoned as I have at different parts of my life. And if you're curious as to why that is or how this happy, buoyant-sounding person could ever feel so fucking depressed that he wants to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge, then you should go and listen to some of the specials that I talk about. I'm a big mental health advocate. I have bipolar. Uh, I am bipolar. Um, I suffer from ADHD, severe ADHD. It's why sometimes when I'm taping an intro, what should be five minutes turns into 50. Um, That's not going to happen today. All right, knock on wood. But uh, a lot that goes into it. Childhood divorce, um, <laughs> blackballed a few times from a few different organizations, but all of these experiences have shaped my life and created the person that I present to you in this moment right now. And I wouldn't change anything that's happened to me or anything that I've done up until this point for the world because everything that I've done has gotten me to this point. Right or wrong, okay, nothing ever too egregious that I couldn't bounce back from, but like, Good or bad, everything that's happened to me has gotten me here. And you know what? Where I'm headed is some really exciting stuff. And the more and more I meet people along this journey, and especially in the last week, I I can't wait to tell you some of the people that I met in this last week, it's like a constant reminder of, hey, 
keep going. This is it. This is the one, man. Just run with this as fast as you fucking can. Don't get slowed down by people that tell you that whatever, right? Haters. Don't listen to the fucking haters. All right. Everybody got them. But just keep going with it. So, um, yeah, that's my why. Uh, I, I, I ride around all day long. I drive for Uber and I, and I host this podcast about all the people that I meet driving for Uber. It's Taxi Cab Confessions meets Dr. Phil. And that's what it is, right? I give a lot of free therapy to people. I ride around my city all day long. I gas my people up. I've been doing this now for 11 months full time um, and had to pivot after COVID. And I was hosting sports radio. And then I left the station that I was at. I built my studio in my basement. And now this is what I've been doing for the last 11 months. And I'm just now starting to build upon this blueprint that I've been building in this building. And I've been saying, if you build it, they will come. You got to grow where you're planted. And like, I am now capitalizing on all of these things that I've been manifesting for the last 11 months and they're starting to pay off and I'm seeing it and I'm, I'm being reminded constantly of like, hey, this is why you do what you do. Because not only the feedback and the reactions that I get from my writers when they open up to me and they really just need somebody to listen to them. They're very grateful for that and I'm honored that they feel comfortable sharing with me. But also, when I meet um, people who are really in support of this and things are going well, that's just like an overwhelming feeling. It, it really is. I mean, I have grown-ass guys tell me that they love me. They'd be like, I love you, Benjamin. I'm like, I love you too, man. You know, it's like, I say that to people, you know, and I don't care, right? It's like, yay, some, some, everybody needs love, right? Everybody needs love, and I, so I'm here to give it out, okay? So, um, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm building on this concept, right, and I am starting to do uh, what will, okay, so one of the longer term visions that I have for the show is to do different seasons in different cities because nothing that I'm doing here can't be picked up and taken to any other city outside of driver regions. So I have to get approved to drive in those, but stick with me. Uber Stories, Miami. Uber Stories, Las Vegas. Uber Stories, New York City, Los Angeles, Bay Area, Atlanta, okay? Any of these cities are very doable, and in a given year, if I go and do that, I, I like it's it can work, right? And eventually, um, I need to probably start moving towards this a little bit sooner than later. But to have a camera in the in the car with me, and uh, because people need to see my face, people need to see my face, and also people, um, I think, will really benefit from seeing the reactions from the writers themselves and um i, I just I, to really really understand it it's one thing to hear me tell these stories it's a it's a whole other thing to visually see the expressions from these people and uh that's like a really really powerful part of it but it's tough to do when i'm wearing sunglasses and a covid mask and i'm riding around all day right it's like hard to see my pretty smile so it's like it's one of those things but um yeah, man. Eventually, I, I think this will be something that's on YouTube and Twitch. Um, I've just gotten back, I guess, a few weeks ago now from Uber Stories Atlanta. So I did go down to Atlanta and stayed down there for 10 days. And it was an awesome experience. Actually, not this weekend, but next weekend. Um, can you believe it's already been a month? I, it's, it's like it just flown past. But next week and weekend, I'll be down in Nashville to bring you Uber Stories Nashville. And I'm 
really, really excited about that one. Um, this summer, I'm going to be going to Cleveland, Columbus, Chicago. Uh, I'll probably do Cincinnati. I'm just expanding regionally where I, I'm approved to accept requests. And it's it's an exciting thing. It's it's a really exciting thing. So you're getting in a really good time, and I'm really happy that you have decided to join us. And I think that um, where you're getting in, like this point that you're getting in at right now, offers a lot of upside in and return on your investment. Because if you ride with me and these other people that that ride with the show now, it's going to be really exciting for you to watch where this all goes. And uh, yeah, it's going to be one hell of a ride. So buckle up and get ready, baby. All right. Follow me on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram at BennyTomp18. You can also follow along the show page on Facebook and Instagram at RealTalkWBennyT. I would love to hear your Uber stories. Another part of this show, the way that it grows, is having people send me their Uber stories, whether it be crazy or whether it be, hey, you know what? Chris in Toledo really made my day. Here's what was going on. Or, hey, this Uber driver protected me when I was trying to get out of a rough situation. Or I had this like stalker ex and like this this guy got out of his car and like helped me out. Like, like I, I would love to hear that kind of stuff. Okay. So please send me your Uber stories. And also, um, there are a lot of people that are going to listen to this that might not have the opportunity to ride in the car with me. If you're in a different city or maybe if you just don't take Uber or Lyft but you're listening to the podcast because you love podcasts, like you might not get the chance to ride with me and we might not have a chance to connect in that way. But that doesn't mean that you can't get some life advice from your boy, all right? If you email me, realtalkwbennyt at gmail.com and send me whatever you got. I will be happy to feature those submissions on The Doctor Is In, the segment that I do that's life advice. Okay, so whether you have Uber stories or whether you want some life advice, email me, realtalkwbennyt at gmail.com, and I will get you taken care of. And just like all of the stories on this podcast, it will remain anonymous. I'm not here to out anybody. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to tell some great fucking stories and bring some people together and make people feel like, hey, I can do this shit too, right? I'm not alone in my journey, okay? So that's what we're here to do. Couple more things here before we get into the stories today. All the music that I use when I'm with my writers, all the playlists that I built can be found on Apple Music and Spotify, searching at BennyTomp18, just like I'm at everywhere else. And you can hear some of the playlists and the music that I play when I'm with my writers. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast because it would really help me out. And if you want to know how you can help me out, that is the way to do it. And also, another way to help me out when I have sponsors is to obviously drive business to to them, right? And go buy the products that I'm endorsing and use my code BennyT for stuff. But right now, I don't have any sponsors that are paying me, right? And so I'm plugging up a couple of businesses for my buddies. And if you tell them, hey, Benny T sent me, they're going to hook you up. So the first is my buddy Tyler Pope. He owns the barbershop Fades on 4th. So for my Louisville people, go down there. It's on L's campus. It's called Fades on 4th. 
You can book with him on the Booksy app. He's the godfather of the fade. That's my boy right there. He will get you taken care of. If you mention my name, Benny T, he's going to give you the supreme service. It's a package valued at 60 bucks for $35. That's it. Benny T sent me. Boom. Almost half off. And then uh, go check out Roots and Jones if you're in the market for a beautiful handmade pen. This, uh, my buddy Ryan Jones and his grandpa have been making these beautiful pens and they're really, really awesome. So just go and check that out and uh, tell him I sent you. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I, I don't know what he'll do for you, but he might be willing to do something for you. Okay. All right. Let's get into some storytelling. Who's ready? I'm ready. Finally. Okay. So, last week went really well. Uh, I did a total of 83 trips, which is a new PR. I drove uh, throughout the week 1,200 miles, which is a lot, all right? There was one day a new PR for distance in a day, 404 miles I drove on Wednesday. Wednesday, I was on the road for 14 hours. Can you believe that? I mean, honestly, like... Between everything that I was working on last week, Tuesdays are always my content day. I'm usually in the studio for like 10 to 12 hours on Tuesdays. Um, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Sundays are normally driving days for me. So um, this week, since it was the Derby, I was chasing these incentives. I just decided to just go fucking sicko mode, and I ended up hitting this 70-ride incentive before Fridays even hit, and then ended up doing 13 more rides on uh, on Saturday. So it was uh, it was a hell of a week. It was a hell of a week. 404 miles in a day on Wednesday. It was just it was nuts. But um, I, there was there there were certain people along the way that I met that when what I was talking about earlier, there are days when it just feels like oh man, like this is a long day, and the passion is what keeps me in the driver's seat. The passion is what keeps me in the studio chair. It's what keeps me going because it's like, oh yeah, wait a second. I do love doing this. Even though this is kind of tough right now, I love doing this. So I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. And it's funny because I'll have one of those moments and then I'll meet somebody like really, really close to having one of those moments or having one of those like, like, oh man, I'm really tired. Should I just go home? Like, I've done five rides. Like, I didn't really do a whole lot, but should I just go home? I kind of want to just go home. And then, like, the next person that I meet that gets in the car will be like some um, affirmation or, or some confirmation that's like, oh yeah, wait a second. No, shut up. Keep going. Keep going. Like, you love this. Don't lie. And I'll just get brought back to life and be reminded of like the reason that I'm doing this, my why. Well, one of these people just so happened to be a woman who invited me to Clubhouse, which was a and is something that I wanted to try and start using for this platform and in order to grow the show. I didn't realize that it was invite only until I met this person and she was like, oh, yeah, I'll invite you. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a cool thing to be able to say. Like, is that like, is that a thing? She was like, oh, don't you know, it's invite only. And I was like, oh, what, no, really, no, and she was like, yeah, yeah, I'll invite you, I have five invites, so like, I got you, and I was like, oh my gosh, thank you, I literally, I didn't really know what it was, I knew it sounded like something that I could be using to help me with this show, in in terms of like, driving growth to it, and getting people to it, right, but I didn't really understand all of it, and didn't understand that if I hadn't met this person, Now, as I got on it and started seeing other people that I know on there, 
probably could have asked somebody to invite me, but um, I think this is way cooler because this was just somebody that I met that I actually just connected with and was like, hey, I like you and I, I understand what you're doing and I see the value in it and I want to help you out. And she invited me, which is like way cooler than just being like, hey, friend I've known for a long time who's also on Clubhouse, will you please invite me? And then the person just like invites me and it's cool, but it's like, I don't know, this this was way more organic and, and I just, I love that. So uh, I just got on a clubhouse. That's really cool. That's really exciting. I also met a guy who works for a liquor supplier. So don't want to say which one it is, but I gave him an elevator pitch and I think he was sold. He was going to hand me off. He is handing me off. I just talked to him today, actually. He's going to hand me off to the person that handles their, he does like their television advertising and purchases, but there's actually a separate person that handles more of the uh, the media purchases in terms of like podcasts, radio, uh, other ad placements, online, stuff like that. So, he was about it though, and I was literally dropping him off because he was the keynote speaker at this event, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've got this title," and I was like, "Oh, you're probably the person that I want to pitch then," and he was about it, dude, and I'm like, "Yes," and what if I told you that I have a way that you can turn one of your competitors' losses into your win? Would that be something that you might be interested in? And he's like, "Yes, I think I would, Bob." All right. A play from an old Entourage episode where Bob's like, what if I told you blah, 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 blah. Would that be something you might be interested in? I think it would, Bob. Good stuff, man. But um, yeah, I, I, uh, I might have uh, brought a new sponsor on board. Now, I, I talk about not having any sponsors. That might be changing soon. Um, who knows? Fingers crossed, all right? Knock on wood, it'll happen. And also, I met a hella cool dude that... Um, is a rapper and was talking to me about like the YouTube part of the show. And I told him what I, what I said at the top here about the, the, the face mask and the sunglasses. And he was like, yeah, but that's all bullshit, man. You just need to start doing it because in a year from now, you're going to look back and be like, damn, look how far I've come. Like it's been a full year. And as I sit here now and look back on the last year of everything that's happened with the show, I know that he's, I know that he's right. Like he's not wrong. And I was just like, man, my G, like, thank you for keeping me honest. Like that, hey, I appreciate that. And he was like, yeah, man, for sure. And he's right. And, you know, I've been saying the mask and the sunglasses thing. And that's honestly a cover for me not knowing. I'm going to be really, really honest here. This is some real talk. I'm not very good at Adobe Final Cut. I was never really good at the video editing part of uh, the journalism classes that I took. I, I was decent enough to flip a package four times in a semester but definitely not as good with the uh the transitions and the wipes and all the stuff that goes into the video audio is easy dude adobe Edition's my shit this is my jam but when it comes to the video part of it it's a lot harder to make that a seamless edit when um you have what's called a jump cut in audio you don't have jump cuts but in visual you have jump cuts and they're ugly and so how do you get around that? Um, I, I, I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. And he's keeping me honest. But um, outside of those three people, I, I also met a lot of really cool people. And it began on Thurby, okay? First ride of the day on Thurby. 
I get a pretty cool couple of uh, two couples, right? So four people get in, and one of the guys had played college football at center, and he knew a dude that played with me at Thomas More. We were both like, oh, he was like, do you know this person? I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, do you know this person? He's like, yeah, man. And so we were talking about that, and then we were all talking about the vaccine, and everybody was fully vaccinated in the car. And then one of the ladies was like, yeah, we've all had it. We're all vaccinated and we have the antibodies. So, and then she's like, I just drink my breast milk if I ever got COVID again. It's got all the antibodies. And then one of the dudes was like, that's definitely going on the podcast. And I'm like, wow, very first ride of the the traditional derby weekend. And here we go. We're talking about breast milk, which... Anything, man. It's like, hey, what's your podcast about? Uh, well, today it was about breast milk a little bit, you know, for a minute. And then uh, actually we transitioned out of breast milk into this other crazy thing that happened because in Louisville there's these places called Gen Care. And they're basically kind of uh, uh, senior citizen healthcare clinics, okay? There's like maybe four or five locations here, but this one was on East Broadway, and I actually pick a lot of people up because something with GenCare, they pay for their uh, patients to get transportation because most of these people are old. Most of these people are debilitated in some way, right? They're not extremely functional, probably couldn't drive a car. And so GenCare is nice enough to get them Ubers. And, and that's a pretty cool thing, right? So I end up picking up a lot of people at GenCare's. Well, this guy that I picked up from this Gen Care on my second ride of the day on Thurby, we're riding along down the street, hadn't really been talking that much. It was like a five minute ride. So we're just riding along. And then all of a sudden he goes, You got a cup. And I was like, A cup? What? No? And I was like looking at my Yeti cup and I was like, Well, you can't have that. But I'm like, I don't know. I don't have like any other cups. And I'm like, No, a cup for what? And he's like, I'm leaking. And I was like, what? And I look back at him and he's like, you ain't got a cup. And I was like, no. And he was like, well, you better pull over. So I'm like speeding up so I can get to this little inlet at this little strip mall, like not even a strip mall, like this strip of like little businesses somewhere along East Broadway. And we pull up to this liquor store and I pull right in front of the front doors. I swear to God, there's a video of it on my TikTok. This guy gets out of the car and straight up pulls his pants down and takes a piss right in front of the front doors to this liquor store in the very first parking spot. And it's like broad daylight, it's Thursday, and people are walking in and out of the fucking liquor store. Like, I'm sure the clerk was like looking out. I'm surprised nobody came out because we're like literally right here next to East Broadway. Like, this is like not a one off street somewhere. We're in a very busy and populated part. And this dude literally was like, hey, I'm leaking. You better pull over. And I was like, oh my God. Right. So he. He's standing there just pissing, just, just, I mean, just took a fat whiz and then got back in the car like it was nothing. And I just, you know, look, what, I mean, in that situation, I don't care. 
Like, I, I can't possibly get in trouble. I'm not the one peeing, right? If some business owner, like if the liquor store owner would have wanted to come out and like get mad at this guy, he'd be getting mad at the guy, not me. I'm like, what? I mean, he told me to pull over. Like, what do you want me to do? Let him piss in my back seat? Like, that, that can't happen, okay? But he, he just stood up. Oh, my God. I was so scared, too. He was like, you got a cup. And I was like, what? No. He's like, you better pull over. I'll leak it. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, I'm thinking there's going to be a puddle there. And luckily, you know, it, it, it wasn't like he pissed on the seat. I, 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 don't, I don't know how bad of a leak that he was springing. But, um, yeah, he, he stood up there and just pulled his pants down, full frontal nudity, broad daylight, just broad Broadway. You know, it's just like, wow, that was uh, pretty awesome. Five rides later, I got into a pretty good discussion and gave a youngin some life advice. Now, this kid was like 18 years old, and my man right here sounded like he got played pretty hard. So I'm just going to call this kid Chucky, okay? Chucky gets in. I'm like, what's up, man? You having a good day? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, you going to work? Yeah, going to work. Yeah, I mean, I've been up and down recently. Things are slowly getting better, though. Well, how come, man? Uh, This girl I liked, me and her work together. But she told me that she had a boyfriend. I was like, man. I said, damn. He said, yeah. And like me and her have been friends for a while. And I put time and effort into getting to know her, you know. And, and then she's like coming at me with this like, oh, you're kind of not my type. I said, damn. How old are you? And he said, I'm 18. Well, how old is she? She was 17. Well, how long has she been dating this dude? Well, she just told me yesterday. And I mean, over texts, kind of shitty. But at least she told me, but it's the fact that when I told her how I felt about her, she said she wasn't ready, and I get that. Totally understand that. And I told her, like, hey, we're friends, and this is, like, a few weeks back, like, maybe four weeks back now, but I told her, like, at least give me a chance, you know? Sure, I said. Well, was she dating this dude the whole time, or, like, did she just start dating him, right? And he said, I don't know. I think she just started dating him. And of course, I said, hey, it's fine. I told myself, hey, there's someone out there for you, you know? And my best friend, she's she's a little upset at her because she knew how much I liked her and like she really wanted to see us together. So, and I said, sounds like she uh, played you a little bit, my dude. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just like... There's someone out there for me, but for the time being, you know, I'm just going to go to work and make my money and just do me. I said, be good with yourself. And, uh, you know, I was like, started telling him, hey, man, like, I've been there, right? You're 18 years old. This kid was super bummed out about the fact that this chick kind of put him in the friend zone. And I'm like, listen, man, you're 18 years old get used to it, okay? Like, this is going to happen so many more times in your life. And I told him, and, and this is why I said that, is because, like, I can connect with this kid because I am a hopeless romantic. Like, I have found the woman that I love, and I'm with her, and it took me a long time to do that. But all I've ever wanted is somebody to be with and just be a great boyfriend and love that person unconditionally and spoil that person with love and time and affection and little gifts and like I have always just wanted to find my person and I told him you know listen I've always been that way too like 
even going back to when I would be in middle school, I would literally have these hopeless romantic dreams about these girls who I was planning to ask out, and I would map out why this was going to be this meet cute. We would tell our kids one day, and I'm like, dude, now I don't even fucking want kids, like, at all, right? And But, like, you have to do that stuff, and I, I went through that stuff, and I lived all of those ups and downs and the heartbreaks, and you think for all the right reasons that this is going to be the one for you, but sometimes it's just you're not the one for them, and that's okay. And that doesn't mean you're not the one for somebody, That doesn't mean that you're not a desirable human being. It's just, for whatever reason, it's just not meant to be with that person. And he was like, man, I I see that, you know? I see that. And he was like, and you know what, too, dude? Like, the reason why, you know, like, she told me that she hates when guys play games with her. And I was serious with her. And I would text her when I got up, and I would wait for her to respond, And when she needed me, I would be there. She could call me. I would listen to her, give her the best advice I could. And it's like, I'm not going to destroy our friendship because we work together. I don't want our work to get all fucked up. But I am going to be a little distant with her a little bit. I said, well, you have to, man. I mean, to protect yourself, at least for right now. You need that distance and that boundary because it's like, you know, she can't do that to you, man. Like, it sounds like she wants the attention and she wants you on her terms and it sounds like she friend-zoned you, which happens, all right? It happens to everybody, okay? It's happened to me and, like, it'll happen to you again. You'll do that to other chicks and be on the other side of it, but, like, that's what it sounds like is happening here is you're in a friend zone and you almost never get out of that. It's, It's honestly almost impossible, if not straight up fact- impossible to get out of a friend zone it just doesn't happen okay and you just got to accept that and it's just one of those things where like dude you don't deserve that because you're going to find somebody that's going to value you for who you are and then you'll be like oh now I see why all these other things didn't work out because man you know and it's like when I said that you don't deserve that and she can't do that shit to you, what I mean is she can't just come running to you, need advice, need a shoulder to cry on, oh, you're such a good friend, know that you like her, string her on and kind of use you in that little way, and hey, we're texting every morning when we get up, like this is kind of going somewhere, and then you shoot your shot because that's how it feels like it's going, and then she's like, whoa, 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 we're friends, I have this boyfriend that I haven't told you about yet, that's bullshit, dude, don't be that for her, okay, don't do that. And I don't think it's possible to be friends after something like that happens. Just be yourself, be open, okay? But it never really works out like that because now you've been disappointed. The friends thing, it just doesn't really work, okay? Everybody wants to act like it does. Hey, we can still be friends. It never works. It it never does unless you get to this really enlightened state where you can set aside egos and feelings and detach that from like the friendship part of it. But it gets so convoluted at that point and one person is always more interested in the other person and it just like the friends thing is a fucking myth, okay? So it sucks, man, but there's no going back. So just brush that shit off and keep pushing forward. And he was like, you know, you're right, man. Like, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna focus on the positive just going to work on me this summer. 
I'm getting a car this summer. Everything else is going to be all right. And I said, there you go, hot boy summer, man. And he was like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, 18 years old. Kid's got the world by the string. And he's sitting here tripping out over a girl that works with him that sounds like she played him a little bit, you know? And it happens. And guys do that to girls. Girls do that to guys. So I'm not sitting here saying, oh, this only happens where girls are evil and girls string guys along. No, guys... Guys throw a lot of curveballs to chicks too, okay? So it's just, it's it's part of the game. But I think everybody's probably been on both sides of that. And so the, the best thing to do is just not to be there and available to that person in that way anymore because obviously you've been hurt and it's not going to go the way that you want it to. And now this chick's got a boyfriend and now, you you know, the last thing you want is some guy saying, hey, why are you texting my girlfriend good morning every morning? You know, like that's probably not uh, probably not somewhere we want to take it. So um, that was good. That was some good advice that I gave to the kid, you know. Uh, if you have or need relationship advice, realtalkwbennyt at gmail.com. The doctor is in. I'll get you featured on the next segment and keep it anonymous as all of the other stories on this podcast. All right, a few rides later... Um, I'm going through the rest of the day. We're still on Thurby, right? A few rides go by that are just chill, but then a few rides later, I get back-to-back heavy rides. So we'll call this rider Jay. Uh, We talked about work for a minute because he was like, yeah, I'm leaving early today. I get to leave early today. So we were talking about what he did, and then I said, well, how's everything else going for you? And he was like, uh... Everything kind of different for me because uh, my mother and my twin sister and my baby sister been killed last summer in June. So I'm going through that, you know. It's just a weird feeling to wake up and know that your mother been killed. I ain't trying to just, I'm keeping it real now, you know. That's what I've been going through behind closed doors, you know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah, man. I mean, hey, I want you to do that. I wouldn't ask if I didn't want the real shit. And he's like... Yeah, I'm I'm not really happy with that, but they're dead already. So, and they caught the bastard that did it. I said, "Did he get all three of them at once?" Nah. What happened was my baby sisters called my mother to come get her. And I was on the phone with my twin sister. And my twin sister and my mother were riding with each other in Chicago. That's where I'm from. Mhm. Baby sister called to say, "Come get her." My mama said, "I'm not coming to get you. I'm not getting in y'all stuff." Because her baby father was all heated. So when they came, they got to arguing with my mama or whatever. And he pulled out a handgun and shot my mama seven times. And he shot my sister in the head. And I was on the phone with him right before it happened. Fuck. This happened like a day after Father's Day last year. My sister got shot too. He ran from the scene. She survived her wounds until September. But she passed away. So they caught him in August, so he gonna end up with three murders. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. Appreciate you, big dog. And then, like, my daughter, yeah, she don't deserve that. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm kind of saying it's hard to cope with because she a newborn, but she's one years old now. So I just try my best, even though I'm, I'm sad inside. I'm hurt. How could you not be, I said. But yeah... Everything else good. I'm just trying to level everything. 
Like some months I want to work, then again I don't want to work. That's why I'm really leaving early today. It's just one of those days. Man, and like I had to go and identify their bodies. What was that like? (sighs) Man, the worst experience of my life. Had to just nod my head and say if that was them or not. Nothing but tears coming out my eyes. It was the worst feeling. I had to identify them on my mother's birthday too. Her first heavenly birthday. And it's coming back around this time again. I said, man, well, just take care of yourself. And keep going, man. Just keep going, all right? Find that next level. Just keep going. This won't last. I know it's tough, but you got this, all right? And uh, he was like, appreciate you. And I'm going to give you five stars for real. (laughs) I was like, hey, well, thank you very much, you know, but... God, I mean, heavy, man. And then the woman who gets in after him, um, I picked her up from a woman's shelter, and I was asking, because I didn't want to assume, right? She walks out of this place, so I didn't want to assume. So I said, did you just get off work, or do you stay here? And she said, I live here, and I work here, and now I'm going to another job right now. Nice, I said. So most of the women who live there you're all survivors, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I'm glad you're still here. Yeah, thank you. I came from Virginia to come and do this. To live in that place? Yeah, to do a long-term program. So I'm 15 months clean now, so congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you, yeah. Those 30-day treatments just weren't working. What's your drug of choice? Heroin. That's a vicious bitch to get off of, huh? Yeah, I had to OD 47 times, and the last time I just said, I can't do this anymore. 47? Yes, and I'll be 47 in July, so that's it. I can't do it. Think about that. 47 overdoses, and she's 47 years old, averaging one a month. That is, oh, that's heavy. Um, I've spoken to enough people who have been either on fentanyl or on heroin or who have overdosed on some kind of a drug to know that um, you can be brought back using something called Narcan. Um, Had I not started driving for Uber, I would have had no idea what Narcan was. But now I've spoken to enough people that are like, yeah, they had a Narcan me. And now I'm like, oh shit, okay. So now I know when I, you know, when she tells me that she overdosed 47 times, I'm like, well, how many times did they have to bring you back? Because literally Narcan's like a fucking break glass in, in case of emergency type shit, man. And she was like, well, it was twice in a week before I got here, but probably around 10. And somebody said they can't Narcan you so many times. Yes, they can. In Virginia, they do. They're not just going to leave you and not Narcan you because they're not going to look it up like how many times you've been Narcaned. And yeah, if it wasn't for the Narcan, I wouldn't have come back. So I don't know. I started drinking a lot at the end so I wouldn't do heroin. But well, what helps you? I said. I mean, 15 months in, you know, that's not a short stretch. So like, what have you found to be useful that, that you would share with other people? It's the big book, she said. The AA book. It's just, I thought, just reading it, like, you really got to do the 12 steps and get the spiritual part of it 
and have a guide of your understanding, which I fully comprehended all of that, but I couldn't fully grasp it until long-term treatment. So how long will you stay there? Oh, as long as I want, really. Now, since I finished the program, then I went into the office, I'll just pay rent, and it's only $40 a week, you know, until I save up enough money, but we can stay there as long as we want. And a lot of people stay there like a year or two. It used to just be six months, and then you got to get out of there, but there's just not enough people now, so people can stay longer. Ever since the corona, we don't have hardly any people in there. It used to be 250 people in there when I first got there, and then it went to just 30 altogether. Why do you think that is, I said. I don't have a clue. I mean, are these people living elsewhere? No. I think they're just, with the stimulus, they just didn't want to come back. A lot of people left because of that. Do you think a lot of people relapsed with that extra money? Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of them did. And a lot of them died, too. And that was a heavy one. It's like, wow. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like I'm, I'm reminded, not to make light of addiction, but I'm reminded of the principle in the book, the children's book, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie, right? And unfortunately, what do most people who are in and out of shelters what are some, some, some things that we could say are probably factually accurate about these people who are addicted to drugs that are living inside and outside of shelters and on the streets? At that point, their addiction, their disease is winning, right? They're losing that battle. Maybe not so much the people who are in the shelters, but definitely the people who are in the streets, um, hustling every day for enough money to get their fix, if you suddenly give those people $1,400 and another $600 a couple months later, then what are they going to do with that money? If you give a mouse a cookie, they're going to want a glass of milk. If you give a heroin addict a large sum of money, chances are if they're not seeking treatment for their addiction and they just now have all this money, they're probably going to go get high. And so to think that the stimulus came out and wiped this place out, 250 people pre-COVID and then post-COVID between the health deficiencies of some of these people, I'm sure that played a part into it, but also you give them that money, now they're back in the streets, back on their old bullshit. And a lot of people overdosed, a lot of people are now caught back up in the cycle, now they're back on the streets. Um, living high to high, you know, it's that's 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 a really ugly part of it. 250 people to 30 people in the shelter. That's sad. That's that's really really sad. And I don't have an answer for it. I don't have a, a, a solution for it other than to say I feel for those people. I feel for those people and their families. And addiction is a disease. And it will take everything from you. It doesn't give a fuck who you are or what you make or 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 anything. It 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 will absolutely take everything from you if it goes untreated. And it's it's an unfair part of life. And I I wish that it wasn't that way, but um yeah, addiction sucks, man. So Want to get back into uh, a little bit lighter mood? Okay, let's let's just like take a deep breath on that one. Just 
Okay. The next three guys that hopped into the car, I'll call this guy Bert. These guys are pretty funny, okay? These guys were from Michigan, and they hopped in, and they had seen the UK license plate, and I'm telling you what, this guy could not wait to get in the car, and he's like, Benny, I got a question for you. Tell me how come your UK basketball team sucked this last year? Like, he could not wait to roast me for the Kentucky thing, because I have a UK license plate, and it just looks hard on the back of the Equus, right? So, as soon as he sees that thing, it's just, he's ready. He's shooting a shot, okay? So, we busted balls for like 10 minutes talking about whatever, and then they were asking if they could get me to take them around later, and so I gave him my price, and I explained what went into it, and just a quick little, let me give you a little subplot here. Um, a friend of mine actually asked me, hey, I need a ride on Derby Day. What are you charging? Well, I had to tell her, I don't know. I got to get back to you. I know what I usually charge and, and, and what I tell people I charge for an hourly rate outside of Derby. But because this is Derby, there's going to be a premium markup on services for this weekend. So once again, I need to do a little undercover work, a little sleuthing, and create an opposition research report, and then figure out where my competitors are priced so that I know what the market is, so that I can accurately price myself. So I got on the phone, and I called around to different black car services and limousine services and places that have you know, those kind of services. And I said, hey, I got a couple clients that are coming in. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do for them. I need probably like a couple hours. What are your hourly rates? And every time, the people were happy to discuss that with me. And I would say, okay, well, you know, I'm going to keep looking. Thank you for the information. Was very cordial with these people. Obviously, I'm a businessman, right? And that let me know, okay, here's what other people are charging so that I know what I can tell my friend. Well, I end up saying, hey, my price is going to be $300 an hour on Derby Day. Some of you might be going, holy shit. Yeah, well, I'm also a five-star driver, and I have a really nice car, and you wouldn't even believe what the other prices, some of the companies that I talk to that have these fleet vehicles that have drivers, and I'm talking an Escalade. For, for well, first of all, um, almost nowhere, almost absolutely nowhere, on Derby Day or Thurby Day or Oaks would do just an hour. Everybody said, "Well, we can block off 12 hours, so you get the car for 12 hours, or you get the car for four hours. Maybe I could do two hours for you, but like." Yeah, man, our hourly rate is this, and you got to book for at least this amount of hours, okay? So I talked to somebody that was saying for 12 hours, an Escalade is going to cost you $6,000 for the day. I'm like, holy shit. And then another guy was saying, yeah, for two hours, um, my my rate is 750 bucks. And that includes some gratuity built in, but like, that's what it is, man. I mean, welcome to Kentucky, you know, like you picked a really bad time to have clients coming in and not figure out this stuff before like three days before the Derby or whatever. So I'm like, okay, cool. Well, then I'm going to tell people $300 an hour. Okay. So when I tell these guys, Hey, here's what my price is. Um, they were like, Whoa, 
whoa, yeah. I was like, well, we're trying to save a few bucks. And I was like, all right, well then, guys, just call another Uber whenever you're ready to go, whenever you're ready to go tonight. And if it's fate, if it's meant to be, then we will meet again, my friends. <laughs> and then one of the guys in the back goes, what if he gives you a hand job, though? And then I go, well, let me look at him. And I look back there and I go, nah. And the other dude in the back goes, what did he say? Let me look. And Bert says, oh, Benny, you bastard. You bastard, Benny. And the other guy back there says, and he said no, too? <laughs> Like, what guy wouldn't do that? And then he was, like, hitting his buddy with his forearm. And he's like, come on, Bert. Come on, Bert. Like, busting this dude's balls. I was like, I'm just breaking balls, guys. I'm just breaking balls. He was like, he loved it. I was like, well, let me look at him, you know? Like, I, you know, because, like, somebody says that to me. I'm just going to keep playing with it, right? Like, I, I love that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, it was <laughs> let me look at him. Oh my God. And he, he was not good looking. All right. He, he, you know, he really, uh, he, he really wasn't, uh, yeah, guys, no, not even for a $500 tip. Okay. Like, <laughs> no, I'm just being mean. Okay. He wasn't that bad. He wasn't an ugly guy. He was just, you know, Hey, you got to be a lot hotter if we're going to go there, guys. All right. Okay. I'm moving off of that one. Um, a few rides later. <laughs> Goddamn. Okay. A few rides later, uh, I picked up a, a woman that we'll call Rachel. And she was uh, headed from 21C Hotel to uh, Mall St. Matthews because she was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did this. I thought that I had a pair of black shoes, but I ended up packing one of my black shoes in my bag, and I guess I left the other one at home because I definitely don't have it. So now I'm running to DSW, and I'm hoping that they're open, and I have this dinner at like 8 o'clock, and it was like probably 7 o'clock when, when we were on our way. So I was like, all right, well, we're going to get there, and then... Uh, do you need a ride back too? And she was like, oh my gosh, can you do that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, here's what we'll do, okay? Let's, um, so I'm trying to get as many rides as I possibly can. So if I turn the app off and then wait for you and then I turn it back on and I go online as soon as you're requesting a ride, the app should see that we're right next to each other and link us up, and then I can take you back, okay? But I've never actually tried this. I really am curious to test if this works. I don't know why it wouldn't. It would make sense that it would, it would right? Yeah. Okay, so let's try it. And yeah, I'll, I'll chill here. So she, you know, on our way from 21C to Shelbyville Road is, is about like a... A 15-minute ride, especially on Thurby. Shelbyville Road can be a bitch with the traffic. So all in all, we, we go there. I wait maybe 10 minutes while she's in there, and then we go back to 21C. So it was probably about a 45 to 50-minute round trip. Well, in that amount of time, we started talking, got pretty deep, conversation got pretty heavy, and I was telling her about the podcast and... um. She said, well, who are some of the podcasters that you like or who are some of the mentors that have shaped you? And I thought about it for a second and, you know, Colin Cowherd, yeah, absolutely, but 
he's sports. You know, he's like that. That I wouldn't say Colin Cowherd's necessarily shaped me, and Tucker Max has, but not necessarily in the podcast form that that exists now like he did later on with like the mating grounds podcast that he did and some of the stuff that he writes about now and especially when he came on my show for the interview that helped me that was therapy for me that literally was therapy for me okay in in like growing up and seeing like wow this dude got his shit together that means i can too okay it's possible for me So I'm trying to think of like a good legitimate person that I could give her and then I was like, oh yeah, Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss is the one. So that's who I said first. I was like, Tim Ferriss' podcast. I listen to the Tim Ferriss show all the time and she was like, oh my God, I love Tim Ferriss. I met Tim Ferriss actually. I was like, really? No way. She was like, yeah, actually I met him at a Tony Robbins workshop. I was like, that's pretty awesome. Like, what was that like? She was like, well, it saved my life honestly because I went to this Tony Robbins workshop and I started to, um, at that point, I was reading Tim's book, The 4-Hour Workweek. And when I went to this Tony Robbins workshop, like I was in the midst of a three-year divorce and or, or it, it was either in the midst of it or it was just beginning. I can't remember exactly what she said, but she was saying that going there and going down that path of doing the things in the workshop and doing the things that Tim wrote about in some of his books, she said really helped her open up her eyes and realize that she was in this super toxic relationship and she needed to get out of it. And she was being hurt constantly by her partner and she really needed to, for her sanity's sake and for her health's standpoint, like she just needed to get out of it. And she ended up launching her own business and taking a lot of the principles um, like outsourcing in the four-hour work week that Tim writes about. And if you've never read the book, you should definitely go and check it out. Check out the Tim Ferriss Show. He brings on all kinds of interesting guests. It's awesome. But she was like, I live in Texas and the construction industry is so outdated. It's so old boys club. It's so we do this because this is how it's always been done. Well, I go in there and I start outsourcing and I grew my bottom line revenue 12 times growth in like um, a, a, like a year or something crazy like that. And I was like, holy shit, like you have a construction? She's like, yeah, yeah, and we do really well. Like I, I, I'm still at like eight times growth. I'm like, holy fuck, good for you, man. That's awesome. I love hearing that because she's literally like, yeah, basically like she didn't say this, but what she said with all of that was, I realized that I was in a bad situation. I found the tools that I needed in order to work on myself, and I got myself out of it, and I bootstrapped it, and now I'm doing pretty fucking well. I forgot my shoe, but I'm still here with clients at the Kentucky Derby. Like, I'm kind of fucking doing pretty well. I'm like, that makes me so happy to hear. And so as we're headed on our way back, um, we were still talking about different stuff, And she said, well, are you on Clubhouse? And Clubhouse, for those of you that don't know what it is, is an online um, kind of virtual chat rooms, basically. Think of it as a long hallway, and in each one of these virtual rooms, it'd be like walking down a hallway in like a lecture hall, and in each room, there's a professor or there is some kind of an expert that is giving a seminar 
and you can just go and pop into any of these rooms. Same exact concept. It's just all virtual. So the the the, the waiting room and like the the place that you sign into is literally called the hallway. And you just go on there and you find these different rooms based on your interests and based on like, there's one like called Baby Shark Tank that I'm in now. There are motivational ones. She was like, oh yeah, I was just in one with Les Brown. And I'm like, I fucking love Les Brown. Are you kidding me? She's like, oh yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, no big deal, right? I'm like, oh God, this woman's cool. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I don't know really what it is. But I know that it's something that I want to try and start incorporating to help grow the show because I had only heard about the part of it where you could go and pitch and you could connect with these people who are all like, a lot of them are like techie people, uh, Damon John's on there, Mark Cuban's on there, like it's a lot of movers and shakers and I can't physically get into some of these rooms, but virtually now I have that access and I didn't before this ride, but as we're riding along, she's like, yeah, well, I'll, I'll, I'll invite you. And I was like, wait, really? That sounds like a cool thing. Is that like a thing? And she was like, well, yeah, it's invite only. Wait, seriously? Yeah, 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 yeah. I have five invites. I'll invite you. I mean, who else am I going to give it to? I was like, I was like, oh my God, like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, this is amazing. Like, seriously, because this is something that can be really, really great for me. And and I'm literally telling her about like meeting 40 down in Atlanta and having that TikTok thing go viral. And now she's inviting me to Clubhouse. And I also met this other guy earlier in the day that seemed really interested in it. And he even confirmed in the messages that we were sending back and forth today, like, hey, I am interested in this. I'm going to get you in touch with these people with our very nice and very fucking dope liquor supplier company. I'm like, yes, please. That would be amazing. I'm meeting all of these people. And it's like, man, if if there are ever those days where I wake up and I'm kind of doubting it, it's just like, keep going because... I literally continue to cross paths with people like this that that remind me like, hey, things are going to work out, okay? Just believe it and just keep, don't take it for granted. Don't take, don't for a second take any of this for granted. You got to fucking bust your ass to get it and do it. But if you're willing to put in that work, then good things are going to come your way, my friend. I'm like, cool universe, let's fucking do it, you know? Like, so I got invited to Clubhouse and... I'm really I'm, I'm really bad at this. I really need to get better at this. And I, I don't always like, you know, with 40, I didn't want to press it. And now I have no way to follow up with him outside of sending him a DM on Instagram and Facebook and hoping that one day he looks at it, right? Out of the probably thousands of DMs that he gets every day. But with this person, I gave her my card and I gave her my contact information because she was like, do you have a card or something? I'm like, boom, right there, I got you. And I forgot to get her stuff, which is really important because you got to be able to follow up because people mean well, but people also have their own shit going on. She's got kids. She's got a job. She doesn't live in Kentucky. She's traveling. Like the likelihood of her remembering and following up with me, it's, it's going to be a lot lower than if it's me that's like, hey, I have this really big incentive to follow up and make sure that like I have her stuff and connect. 
And sometimes I just get so excited that I forget to get the person's contact information. I give them just mine. And I'm like, oh, please, I hope this works out. Please call me. And it's like, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Now, luckily for me, she was a woman of her word. And she did follow up with me. And she sent me the text message and the invite the next day on Saturday. But She was like, hey, I'll send this to you later tonight. I'm going to be at this dinner, obviously, but I got you. I was like, awesome. Thank you so much. So that was an amazing ride. Again, at this point, I hadn't joined Clubhouse, but it was a thing that she had told me, hey, I'm going to invite you. I'm like, man, I called Maddie and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, this awesome fucking thing happened. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So... Um, yeah, and, and then in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, I really should have gotten her stuff just in case she, you know, misplaces my card or forgets or gets just lost in the transition of being in Kentucky and then getting back to work in Texas. But um, the story has a happy ending, so we'll, I'll save it for a minute. A few rides after that, this was my very favorite story that I'm going to end up telling on this episode. I swear to God. Now, this one is a little bit more traditional in the sense that I named this story just like I name my stories when I'm doing the Uber stories, but this guy had me rolling. I like. I am calling this guy the Grump. That's what the name of the story is, the Grump, and these guys, these three guys are all older guys. They get in a few rides after um, the woman who invited me to Clubhouse, and They gave me some hilarious Kentucky Derby stories circa 1970s, which are what I'm about to share with you right now. So this one's called The Grump. I don't know what it is about me. I can't really explain it, but there's something about me that can get even the coldest of people to warm up, usually, right? Of course, there are exceptions, and there are some people who are unreachable or who are going to refuse to let me in no matter what. But by and large, whenever I'm meeting somebody and their friend is describing them, you know how friends will say like, uh, I don't know, he's a tough one to crack. Or they'll be like, yeah, good luck with her. And then like, you know, she is perceived as the mean friend or he is perceived as the grumpy one, right? I always love meeting those people and welcome those challenges because I always love surprising the friend that makes that comment initially because much to the surprise of that person, I usually have a really good success rate in getting those people to warm up to me. I I don't know what it is. I mean, I do know what it is. I'm a pretty, you know, I uh, once I start smiling and I start talking, I can usually get most people to smile and kind of react pretty positively to that. But so I, I have a gift, you know, um, but like that's that's really what it is, you know, And uh, but I, I don't know why, right? I don't know why. Um, I don't know what it is about me that makes people want to smile or let their guard down, but something about me, I, I can't explain it, but like there's something there, okay, where even the people who people perceive as to be unreachable, I can, I, I have a really good success rate with those people. It's not 100%. Probably not 99%, but I'd say like 98.5%, okay, are going to be able to uh, connect with that person. So, and I'm sure if you asked the 10 people closest to one of these writers in this last Thurby story that I'm calling the Grump, and I'm sure 
if you ask the 10 people who are closest to this guy who I'm going to be calling the grump in the story, if you ask them to describe him to somebody about to meet him for the first time, I guarantee they would all tell you some variation of, well, the grump is kind of an acquired taste, right? Or they'd say, he doesn't try to be funny. He's just mean and people think he's joking. And in the just 10 minutes that we spent together, I'd say the three words that I could best use to describe this guy's personality would be gruff, crass, and ornery but also hilarious, which is why I wrote this one up. I'm near downtown when I pick up three older guys from their hotel. One of them, the one who called the Uber, we'll call him friend one, sits up front with me. The grump hops in and takes a seat directly behind me, and friend number three, who, besides existing, doesn't really play a role in the story, sits next to him in the back seat. We take off towards whatever hotel they were going to, And we're chit-chatting for a minute or so when friend one's phone starts going off. Well, he picks up and it was either his wife or his girlfriend or just some chick he was trying to meet up with. But I guess this group of fellas was about to go link up with this chick and her crew for dinner and drinks. But there was some confusion as to the details of this little rendezvous. Why? Because her and her girl sounded wasted. So now friend one is trying to coordinate with these drunk women who are all speaking very loudly, which of course takes some patience, which the grump did not have a lot of. Friend one says, you're going to the Omni now? The grump says, they're all going to the Omni? Where the hell's the Omni? It's pretty close to 21C, I said. Friend one says, our driver said he'll take us to the Omni, I believe, right? And he looks at me. I said, yeah, that's fine. Grump says, well, grease him. I said, thank you. I appreciate that. Already I like this guy, right? Friend one says, do you want us to go to 21C then? Get Chris and meet you? Is it just Chris or is it somebody else too? By himself? And so he's having this conversation. I'm talking to the grump and the guy backseat, but backseat friend number three isn't really talking that much, so it's basically just me and the grump. So I say, where are you guys from? The grump's like, Michigan. Well, friend one who's still on the phone says, okay, so you want me to get him and just put him in the Uber then? And the grump hearing this goes, oh, fuck. And (laughs) me and friend three are laughing at him. I can't help but laugh. You know, this grumpy old guy's like, oh, fuck. Like, of course I'm going to laugh, right? So I start laughing and I said, you don't like the guy? And he goes, we're always taking care of him. And friend one says, okay, let me confirm. Wait, what was your name? And I'm like, realize that he's speaking to me at this point. I'm like, oh, Ben. He goes, hey, Ben, can we pick up one person at 21C and add him in and then just go to the Omni? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Okay, he said that's fine. Does Chris know where to go to the Omni? (laughs) He's just like off in his own thing. He's trying to coordinate with these women. So I'm still chatting up the grump, and I'm like, how old is he? He's like, oh, he's our age. I said, not that it makes a difference to me. I was just curious about this guy and why you don't like him. And he was like, it just seems like we're always taking care of him. And about a minute goes by, and this dude is still on the phone when he yells, hey, listen. And his frustration 
much to the amusement of everybody else in the car, i.e. me, the grump, and friend three, is beginning to build. He's very, he's, he's starting to get tense now, okay? He's had enough of these ladies' shit. Well, then he puts the phone call on speakerphone, and I'm telling you, man, this thing sounded like absolute chaos. You know what's funny is you think at a certain age, right? I mean, these guys are all probably in their 60s. And I'm sure that the women that they're, you know, kind of trying to coordinate with, I'm going to say they're as young as 40, but more than likely in their 50s or maybe even 60s as well, okay? But I'm going to venture out and say, you think that at a certain point, at a certain age, that people act in a different way? But then, as you get older, you realize everybody is just grown-up high schoolers still doing the same old shit. It's really funny. It's a really, really interesting part of life that not a lot of people talk about. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm listening to this conversation amongst these middle-aged women, and it sounds like any phone conversation I've ever tried to get directions from any one of my girlfriends when they're with their group of friends. It's just like chaos people are screaming people are laughing there's one girl that's like hey guys shut up shut up hey okay okay i'm sorry i'm sorry it's like just oh my god traumatic like ptsd just listening to it right so we're all kind of like laughing at these four indistinct female voices chattering in the background and it's almost impossible to tell which one he's having this conversation with and he looks at us and the facial expression that he gives us is just like (laughs) You see what I'm dealing with here, guys? (laughs) Well, all of a sudden, a woman on the other end says, okay, okay, she's going to send me the address, and then I'll text it to you, okay? And the grump says, oh, okay, yeah, text it. (laughs) And so the woman gives the address, and then the guy sitting in the front, friend one, says, you know what? Maybe we'll just meet you at 21C, okay? All right, we're we're just going to meet you at 21C. All right, bye-bye. And when he hangs up, the grump's like, I mean, God, we're five minutes away, man. So some more chit-chat. I'm just kind of like trying to engage the grump to get more grumpiness, right? I'm like, because I have. Now, he would not want me to say his name, okay? But he knows who I'm, he knows who he is, okay? And he knows that not all the time he's like this. But a lot of times, more times than not, this very close friend of mine, who I love very much, knows that he has definitely been known as the grumpy friend. And so I feel like there is a level of appreciation that he will have listening to the story and me connecting these two dots. And because this is such a close person to me and because I've grown up knowing how to deal with this grump, I know exactly how to deal with this grump too. And I'm just like looking at him thinking about my grumpy friend and I'm like, man, I love my grumpy friends. (laughs) So some more chit chat. And then he was like, the grump says, bro, you were holding that phone out here. Friend one's like, I was going to throw my phone out the window. And the grump goes, I can't understand Sarah when she's talking anyways. You were holding the phone up and I can't hear worth a fuck. And so I'm laughing more. And then the the friend one, he starts laughing at my reaction to his friend. And I'm like, I like this guy. <laughs> I say that out loud. And then out of nowhere, 
friend three in the back is on the phone barking orders, and he's like, just go freshen up, and then we'll meet you at 21C. And the grump goes, yeah, go freshen up. That means go to a bump in the bathroom. Ha <laughs> ha, they are too, says friend one. The grump goes, they're freshening up all right. They're going to go powder their fucking noses. So a couple more minutes go by of them talking about who lives here and who's from out of town and from this group and all this stuff. And then the grump is just sitting there and he goes, I should have wrote a book. And so this is like what I'm talking about where I'll, I'll, I'll keep trying to engage him. I go, what would you title it? And I'm just like, you know, just smiling. Like, and I think that I'm just like, all right, well, you know, like, let's see where this goes. You know, I'm like, what would you title it? He's like, my 46 years of going to the Derby. Wow, you've been coming for that many years? He says, 76 was my first derby. I was 17 years old. Friend one says, mine was 1980. All right, well, give me some of your best derby stories, and maybe I'll feature them on next week's episode. I do a podcast about all the people I meet driving for Uber. Ha, 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 ha! Friend one starts laughing. And friend three's like kind of intrigued now. Like he's kind of leaning up. And and the grump goes, that's why I said I should have wrote a book. And I said, yeah, well, or you can join me on a Zoom call and tell them all, man. He goes, oh, I don't do any of that shit. I'm old, man. I don't even know what the fuck Zoom is. (laughs) I'm laughing. And I said, all right, well, give me like the most depraved or uh, just give me the best one, you know? And without hesitation, he, he loudly says, when there was live fucking in the infield and they had those giant uh, bird baths, friend one says, the grump scoffs, no, planners. They had big planners up in the infield and these broads were up in there and they were getting fucked in the planner. And blowing guys blurts out friend one. Grump continues, he says, blowing guys, one broad was blowing a guy, and a guy was fucking her from behind in this planner. Friend one chimes in again and says, up above the crowd. The Grump continues, the huge planners they had in the infield, right? The next fucking year, all those planners were gone, and they had the National Guard there instead. Six guys walking around. Friend one says, but Grump, we saw that for a couple years. And I was like, okay, so yeah, what years do you think that was? The grump says, well, 76 was my first year, so this was probably like early 80s. Yeah, it was early 80s because I was there and my first year was in 80, says friend one. And then grump says, and and by the way, if anybody is listening to this and you are a OG Louisvillian and you've been going to the Derby for a while, I would love to hear other stories and confirmations of this. Not that I doubt what the grump is saying, but I would also love to hear if anybody else remembers a fucking orgy on these planners at Churchill Downs circa sometime early 1980s. I would absolutely love to uh, have that person on the podcast to tell that story in more detail. Well, the grump continues with another story, and he says, actually... There was a stripper from Detroit called the Monkey Woman that everybody knew. And she got up on the Johns, these permanent Johns they had in there. And she's up on top there flashing and going crazy. And we kind of knew who she was. And it was like the crowd, they were getting frothy. 
it's like this broad's gonna get killed. And a buddy of mine, Cleet, she noticed him and fucking jumped off the thing and he grabbed her and like got her out of there. That was another fucking story. I said, well, thank God for Cleet. <laughs> you know, thinking like, <laughs> what kind of a name is Cleet? He said, yeah, Cleet fucking noticed the monkey woman. Yeah. Friend one says, here's another good story. For the first five or six years that we came down here, you know, we were so young, we didn't have a lot of money, so we climbed the fucking barbed wire every year. This is this is true. This is true. Grump says, my first year I came down here, I was a senior in high school. I was either going to buy my buddy's Chrysler 300 for $75 or I was going to fucking come to the Derby. 75 bucks is all I had. And 40 of it, we bought weed. Some good weed. So we got a bag of weed, we got a tent, and we went to Shepherdsville, and we snuck in, and we hopped a fence. And the next year, the guy would hold the fence, and you'd crawl under it, you'd wait, you'd hold the fence for the next guy, he'd crawl under it so that the next guy would hold the fence for you, and I still got a scar on my back from crawling under that fence. And I crawled under the fence, and I look over my shoulders as I'm running to hide and get in the crowd, and this fucking cop is beating the guy that held the fence for me with a fucking billy club, smacking him in the face while he was holding the fence. (laughs) I just can't, I mean, just like, think about like a 17-year-old you know, who is crawling underneath this fence, like some, that's like some Sandlot shit, right? And you're running in here to try and like get away from people. You try to dip into the crowd, duck off and just blend in with everybody else. Maybe find some beer. Like back then, no one was getting carded for beers and you just get wasted at the Derby. And this guy's like, man, this guy was getting fucking pummeled by this cop and just, he was just so grumpy. Like, obviously, I, I'm not going to be able to do it justice retelling this story. That's why I can't wait until I have, like, a camera and some microphones and you can actually hear the way that, the you know, these people actually sound like this guy because to really nail it, I'd have to be him, and I'm not. But, man, it was just, God, he was just so grumpy. But he liked me, and and, and this guy was just awesome. And you know what? I have a feeling that there's very few people that this guy actually likes or that he enjoys engaging with. So the fact that I got him talking and sharing these stories feels like a massive win for me. I'm not going to lie, okay? He might not like many people, but he liked me. How do I know? Because when I pulled up and I said, all right, guys, be good. And hey, thanks for the stories, man. He smiled at me and he pinned $40 on my right shoulder. Apparently, the grump lives for the depravity. Who knew? (laughs) So that was uh, still Thurby. And that was my 68th ride of the week. And at this point, I was pretty exhausted. So I finished rides 69 and 70, and I took my ass home. Boom. 70 rides in a week. I hit the incentive. It was the highest one you could possibly do. And I hit it before it expired. And that meant I, I did 70 rides in a week and it wasn't even Friday yet. And to me, hitting that accomplishment and literally completing the maximum amount of rides that they had was even better than seeing the extra money credited to my account. Like the money part of it was still pretty sweet, 
but just the thought of oh shit i just maxed this thing out like i couldn't have done more i could have done more but from an incentive standpoint like i hit the i hit the highest one possible and i've never done this i've never done 70 rides in a week let alone in 4 days let alone actually let alone in 3 days because let the record show on tuesday i did not drive a single ride I only split these 70 rides up between Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday of Derby Week, which is long days, my friends, all right? Long days. But late night mixed with early days is the recipes, my friend, I'm telling you. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a good week, man. So, that was Thursday, and I, I man, once I hit that 70th ride, it worked out literally like I'm telling you, I keep saying this and saying this. Everything just worked out perfectly for me this last week because on um, Thursday night, I was trying to get done before 10 p.m. so that I could go to Chick-fil-A. And I was like, man, I don't know. I got five rides left. It's kind of it's like 830. Luckily, most of the rides that I did that weren't the grump, like kind of the ones before and then my 69th and 70th ride were all really quick rides. So I was able to finish that incentive and get to Chick-fil-A and order myself a chicken sandwich, spicy chicken sandwich and large fry, large cherry Coke, and just sit in the back seat of my car and watch something on the televisions back there and just fucking mob out. And I was just like, what a way to end the week. Crushed it. And it and the week wasn't even over because guess what? The next day, Kentucky Oaks, I didn't drive as much, okay? So this was basically like my Friday. I knew because I had just done like back-to-back 14 and 10-hour days, like my body sore at this point, and I knew that I was going to be going hard on Saturday. And Saturday I knew was going to be likely a mix of equal parts thrill, confusion, chaos, and stress. So I decided to take Friday and recharge. I had I had been I didn't even get I got to the gym one time last week. Literally every other time I was in bed, going to sleep by 2 a.m., waking up around 8 or 9 a.m., showering and going to drive. It's just what I had to do Wednesday and Thursday in order to give myself enough time to hit those rides, right? So Friday, I'm I'm white and I'm like, you know what? I'm having people over later tonight. I'm going to run some errands. I'm going to do some things. And if I don't end up making it out on the road today, so be it. Like, cool. You know, I hit that incentive. I'm, I'm going to have a long day ahead of me tomorrow. So if I don't get out there and, and do a lot of it today, that's cool with me. Well, um, I did end up doing only one ride, one and done, okay? And the only ride of the day was me taking my parents to the airport where I literally drove out to their house, did the app thing just like I did with that rider who invited me to Clubhouse. So I turned my app on and I had my mom request the trip as soon as, because I wanted the point, okay, and and the review, right? It's not just like, why? Why wouldn't you just like take them there and have them give you cash or why wouldn't you just do it for free? I don't know. Do you work for free? Okay, then fuck off, all right? This is a business here, right? So... Um, I turn the app on so I can get that point and so I can leave myself a little review with my mom's account because, you know, hey, everyone counts. So that was my only ride of the day and it was cool. And it was like, you know, I got to tell them about 
the clubhouse thing and I got to tell them about the guy with the liquor company that I met and I got to um, you know give them a ride and give them the same experience that um, I give to my other riders. You know what I mean? Like it was cool that I could do that for them and and yeah, I got paid for it, but. It was just cool that they could experience what other people experience and see see it, you know? Um, because seeing it is a whole different thing. I swear to God, man. So I dropped them off at the airport, and then I went to... I made a Target run, I made a Walmart run, and I also made a Costco run. And what I was doing was collecting certain things for these drinking games that I invented Um that I'm just calling Survivor Games 21, Survivor Derby Games 21. And I'm going to roll this tape of, it's about a 30-minute clip of uh, us at the end of the night, myself, Jarrett, Mike Bond, and Whitney. And we come down to the studio after everybody else had left and tape something, and it, it's it's good, it's funny. You'll hear me talk about and set up like what the night was. But, you know, it's like, once upon a time, a long time ago, 11 years ago now, I threw these epic derby parties. And it was literally the thing that put me on the map in terms of um, my social game, right? Up until this point, yeah, I was just another kid in the crowd. But once my parents went out of town and I threw these banging parties, it was literally a three-peat. We went Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, this poor house sitter, babysitter, who was like a junior or senior at UK, she was supposed to be house sitting, and I had had her before, and she let me have some friends over, so this time I was like, she was like in and out, like hardly, I mean, she basically just took my parents' money, and we never saw her, you know, like, and um, I was like, hey, that's cool, you know, um, I'm gonna have some people over, so just letting you know, and she was like, oh, okay, you know, like, well, don't tell your mom I said it was okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, I, you're good. You have no liability here. But here's what's going on. Well, after that, I basically let anybody that, like, anybody that wanted to come, wanted, like, was there. And, I mean, there were people jumping off of the balconies. There was a hole that was put in the wall, many holes that were put in the wall. Um, at some point, my, 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 one of my uh, more shameless kinks is that I love the sound of breaking glass. It's very weird, but I also just love the total destructiveness of just shattering something like that. I know I'm sick, but, um, yeah, I stood over like, um, the, uh, the back porch is like a two, two level, two story deal. And there's pavement underneath. And I was just, dude, I was just like having the time of my life smashing glass after glass after beer bottle after like all these all these bottles all these glass and and people were like oh my god this guy's a sicko like this is his own house and he's just like destroying shit like it's somebody else's i'm like party like a rock star man like i'm a junior in high school you know doing this shit but um ever since then those those were like legendary kind of parties right and I noticed at that point, this is something that I really, really enjoy doing, not not necessarily only breaking glass, right? I'll never pass up a good opportunity to do that, but just getting people together and being a glue guy and grabbing all these different people into the same place and facilitating a good time. I live for that. I live for that. And it's a really cool full circle moment 
that Mike Bond so elegantly points out here in this clip where he's like, do you realize that, uh, you know what, actually, I'm just going to let, I'm going to let it play, all right? I'm going to roll this tape. Some of the audio, at least at the beginning, is kind of lighter on their end. They were sharing a microphone in between the three of them, but um, I did try and turn it up in different spots. But this was uh, late Friday night when we taped this. This is Survivor Drinking Games. These are the Midnight Sessions Part 2. Enjoy. The Midnight Sessions are back, and we're gone off those sour beers. Not gone too much, but we're, we're... We got the sour beers in the studio. We got some good friends in the studio. Let's get those beers cracked open. Oh, yeah. Woo! The sound of winning. We are winners here, Ben. So I've got my friends Mike Bond, Jared Link, and Whitney Roberts in the studio. What's up? Happy to be here, Ben. (laughs) Thanks for having us. So we're going to talk a lot about uh, politics and foreign policy today. No, I'm just kidding. You heard the door open. <laughs> this is definitely the beta group here. You can't discuss that. At all. So we got the group together to play some survivor drinking games that were hosted over at the condo and that were a continuation of a group that didn't have as many people as I would have liked from the engagement party for our friends Whitney and Jared who are getting married in October. <laughs> I do. Not yet. What's your what's your like <laughs> corny um, engagement phrase or like like hashtag that you're putting on koozies and shit? Uh, we haven't decided, but I mean, my last name is Link, so like linked up. Linked. Yeah, so if you have any ideas, linked for life. Okay, that, that's hashtag. already better than what they had. <laughs> linked up. Two syllables. Sorry. <laughs> Jared looked at me real foul. <laughs> 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 Two syllables is short. I don't think it's supposed to be any longer than that. Linked up. I mean, that works. So why you don't like just that, Mike? It, just make it gang gang. <laughs> <laughs> just to do with anyone. Well, Jared would have to change his name to Gang. Jared gang. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Gang. Hold on. If they both change their name to Gang and then <laughs> Gang Gang, <laughs> that'd be the dopest wedding. I swear. Not sure that's how it works, <laughs> but you know, appreciate the, uh, you know. Sorry, I'm enthusiastic about it. There are no bad ideas in the studio. You know, we're just spitballing here. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's all beta testing. So they're making reference to. Uh, we're. I'm trying to figure out how to do a fun experience night where we can incorporate. Um, some of the principles of Survivor, where you have teams and you vote people out, and you have. Um, games right and so i said that tonight was a beta night because we were just i'm trying to figure out what works get some feedback and uh i think it went really well i mean i i definitely had a good time did you guys have a good time tonight definitely what definitely works is just like like you said at the beginning like the the teamwork part of it and the fact that people like are looking for something to do Mm -hmm. like as as a group of friends it's like what would we have done if we weren't here playing games? We'd be sitting on the couch drinking beers. It's like, why not drink beers and have fun and, you know, meet new people, do something fun at the same time. Yeah, we've got the sour beers and, and some buds that have been flowing. But the, the point of tonight 
was to get back to this really fun night that we had celebrating Whitney and Jared's graduation. And I referenced this, not graduation, engagement. <laughs> engagement, okay? Yes, we do have our high school diplomas. <laughs> and <laughs> From friends to a couple. <laughs> From friends to best friends. Oh. <laughs> just seen their eyes. I'm going to love you forever. <laughs> so, after we have this engagement party, I come home and I'm obviously a little toasty and I lay down this special that I call for the love of the game, which was like I was just feeling it. I was really um in a good place coming back from being around you guys and having such a good time, you know, kind of facilitating a night that was about you guys, but I was, I felt, I was honored that you guys wanted me to be a part of that night, and that I could kind of take over and show people that game, and everybody had a good time, that to me was like the highlight of my fucking like year, probably, to be honest. BFFs forever. Yeah, so I've been trying, and I've been very busy, and, and I've, I've half-assed a few attempts to try and get that group back together, but I've hit you up, Whitney, and texted you maybe like three or four times, but it's always like, hey, what are you doing like three days from now, right? Let's get like this group of 10 people together when that engagement party probably took like a few, like several weeks of planning. You guys had very nice official um, stationery that you sent out, right? Well, we tried. I have to give that credit to Katie Meyer. I don't plan anything, but Katie was all over it, but... We knew that we wanted our best friends and family there, so that's what it came down to. I'm glad that you were a part of it. Yeah, I was really happy to be a part of it. I can't wait for the wedding, but um, from then until now, I mean, that was like, that was the winter. Yeah, December. Like, time flies. Yeah. So, over that course of time, that's always been something that I've wanted to do is to get you guys back together, get that group back together between Zach and Shelby and Jimmy and everybody that was there, right? And yeah. and and recreate. I don't know if we can recreate that night, but it was a really that was a really fun night for me. That was a really special night for me. And um, I came home and came down here and just laid something down that was like, that's the reason I do this shit. It's for the love of the game. It's for opportunities to spend time with people like you guys that I just I know that I love to death and I would do anything for you guys. So, um, that's so sweet. <laughs> we we got you guys together tonight to do a little bit of a continuation of that and add in some other games. We played categories. We had a uh, a fucking puzzle like Wheel of Fortune style that Jarrett <laughs> fucking nailed like three seconds into it. If you want to weigh in on that, Jarrett, ha- pass him the microphone so he can speak into this thing. Well, Ben, uh, geniuses do genius things, and <laughs> I just know puzzles when I see them. You give me a category, I just... I rattle it off as soon as I see it. You give me a couple letters, <laughs> I know what it is. That's just how it goes sometimes. Would you say you're a savant, Jarrett? Savant in categories? Yeah. I'm a savant. <laughs> I'm a savant in everything you know, Mike Bond. <laughs> That's hot. I agree, Whitney. That is hot. Intelligence is sexy. In- intelligence is what I have, Ben. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's one of his a, many qualities. A plethora of IQ is what Jared has. Yes. Thank Ooh. you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Whitney, what what was the final um, puzzle that we solved with the letters we were given? Oh, God. Well, I think it came down to um, 
bin, there comma. Was a, there was a B-E-N. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Ben, punctuation, that, that's me. comma this is, is this a punctuation. Is, uh, this is Jared the genius speaker. That is <laughs> B-E-N is Ben, and that it that does spell Ben. If you get three letters, three letters, one of them being N, E, and B, you could also order them as Ben. Ben, correct, correct, Michael. <laughs> and that does say. Ben. Whitney, what would you say the rest of Ben. Of <laughs> so that was the introduction. The body of the phrase said Ben, comma, sucks dick nuts. Exclamation point, R.I.P. In, in, you forgot the gosh. Gosh. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oops. My, my, and this Jared the genius again. <laughs> she did put the comma in the correct place there. So if you want to correct her, you're incorrect because she put it in the correct spot. Wait, okay. Thanks, so there's babe. some debate here whether we should no. punctuate after the well, proper pronoun, right? What he said. We're always a team. Always a team. So, yeah, the puzzle went differently than I thought it would, and uh, they roasted me, and I suck dick nuts. Uh, lots of them, apparently. Big, gosh. big. Gosh. Yeah, gosh. Gosh, damn it. That's what I'm saying, okay? But, uh, yeah, overall, we, uh, we started off with some flip cup where everybody was uh, on the losing team, would have to... Choose a player to sit out, and then the remaining players on the team would have to make up for that cup. And where it got down to, you know, three and then two. And we actually did get it down to where both teams had lost, and there was a one on one where one person was having to drink and flip four cups, which was pretty cool. Because honestly, the way that I thought that was going to go would be one team would win, and then the losing team would have three, they'd lose again, they'd have two, they'd lose again, they'd have one. And the winning team that won initially wouldn't lose at all. But that's not how it went. No. <laughs> ben. You, <laughs> you underestimate the talent. You underestimate no. the talent on this team. <laughs> First off, we our team has a name. <laughs> team name? Yes. Ascot and, and Bad, bad Thoughts. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> once Ascot goes in the shirt, there's no losing. You can start it off <laughs> how you want. There's no losing. <laughs> you can start off how you want. You can put me down one, down two, down three. <laughs> Your boy. <laughs> Your boy and team has gone bad thoughts. We ain't gonna lose a game. <laughs> right. No, sir. No, sir. No, ma'am. No way. Right. <laughs> That's how it's gonna go down. <laughs> he said he'll play a little ball myself. <laughs> Only Ben knows right. I play a little ball myself. Mike Bond, baby. Whew. Mike Bond, ladies and gentlemen. All jokes aside, Ben. Oh. <laughs> He's stroking the ass cropped as if to say something very serious now. But you know it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Whitney, when have I ever said anything less than profound? 
Mike Bond is having the Survivor buffs, these 97-cent bandanas I bought at Walmart this morning, proudly displayed in his nice... Uh, what this kind of shirt do you call shirt, that? Untuckit.com? Untuck uh, it live from the uh, Air Mall studio. It's for us. <laughs> un Untuckit, wrinkle-free, but somehow wrinkled. I mean, And he's got the Ashcroft couple buttons down, th two buttons down with this Ashcroft uh, proudly displayed here. Do you hear that? <laughs> cool breeze on an Ashcroft evening. <laughs> I feel like I'm not professional enough for this studio. <laughs> it's okay. I built it, so if that tells you anything, you know. So, Ben, <laughs> ben I didn't know where you met your other friends that were here. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. So, I met Aaron in the gym. He's been on the podcast before. And just from our very first conversation, I knew he was somebody that just... I don't know. I just enjoyed talking about life and talking about um, he's kind of like really into motivational speech. And I would see him in the gym and he's just that type of person that was always smiling. He's always working with clients. And uh, we just struck up conversation. And then I was like, oh, shit, I fucking like this guy, you yeah. know. And then the girls, um, Lindsay went to North with us and graduated in 2013 or 12, graduated 2012, and I've known, actually, this is funny, I've known Paige since, like, she's probably, even though we weren't really friends, but, like, she used to be in my top eight on MySpace, like, that's how far we go back. Damn. That's way back. Yeah, like, MySpace. yeah, because I used to um, try and holler at her friend Maggie way back in the day, I'm talking, like, sixth, seventh grade, I, I've known Paige, and then we... All these years went by, and then they were in a crew that we met up with at Hangout Music Festival All down in Gold Shores. Maggie ain't so hot no more, and he's hollering at Paige. <sighs> this guy's a goon. I've got a girlfriend, okay? Oh, sorry. You're canceled for the second <laughs> time this podcast, all right? So uh, we just, we, All of we a really. Mike Bond's hollering at both of them. Yeah, I mean, look, that Ashcroft, I don't know how <laughs> I can compete. Like, seriously. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. This man is dripping in sex appeal. <laughs> you a goon, boy. I'm having so much fun, though. This is great. So, yeah, meet up with them. That's where, I actually, I met Andrea as well uh, when we were down at Hangout. And they were coming to the house a couple times you know, to drink and pregame. And that was really when it was like, whoa, these people are really fun to hang out with and drink. Like, not a lot of drama, just down to have a good time, pretty easy to talk to and get along with if you don't know them and you're trying to mingle, you know, which can honestly be a tough thing to make friends as an adult. Like, it's a fucking hard thing to do. Right. For sure. It gives people anxiety, mm -hmm. right? Is this person judging me? does this person think that they're better than me? You know, it's like, there's a lot that goes into that when you're meeting people for the first time. How much do I put myself out there? Like being vulnerable. That's a tough thing to do as an adult because a lot of times you hang out with the people that you feel the most comfortable with, which are the people that you've known the longest, which doesn't really extend itself to getting out there and, and bringing new people in or, or yeah. putting yourself out there. You just kind of do what feels natural, right? It's crazy because yeah. I feel like, especially within our friend group, 
and our extended friend group from North Oldham and our grades and everybody we're all best friends with each other and best friends with each other's best friends and it's it's tough to extend that and welcome new people in when everybody's so close sure like all all of your best friends are very close to me I'd consider them very good friends you're one of my best friends and so many of my best friends are so close to you yeah and I assume you'd consider they're very good friends for sure and it's like and then when someone new comes in it's like who's this cat it's like it takes it takes a second sure yeah it's like just being so close it's tough to like extend beyond that because we have such a good circle what i'm saying i guess is like we have such good friends that it's tough to like expand upon that well it's like if it ain't broke why fix it right or why why try to you know it's like you guys and and i think everybody has that group that you spend time together with that is just it just feels right and so you are you only have so much time to spend in leisure activities, right? That's not any of the things that we listed during categories, but but like you only have like a limited amount of time to spend with people outside of like work and if you have kids then like you know it's like you guys are about to get married and I don't know how quickly that you're planning on having children, but like your free time gets dwindled down to this this really finite amount and then it's like what do we want to do with this time it's likely going to be let's spend it with the people that we really want to spend it with which a lot of times doesn't lend itself to expanding and and like trying to you know it's just it's just one of those things for sure i mean you spend your time with quality people you spend quality time with quality people yeah that's wise <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're doing a bit from, this is like, there's a movie. It's like, you know, no, he reminds me of Ricky Bobby when they stick the fucking thing. He's like, everybody did just fine. <laughs> like every time. That's why we work so well together. I mean, 10 years and counting, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, I, and, and I have, you know what, it's funny because the, the older that I get and the more that I like put time into understanding why I am the way that I am, which could fill a fucking book, let me tell you. Okay. But like, I have always, even going back to like where it all started, honestly, which is like derby parties 11 years ago. Okay. Going back that far. I always just wanted to get people together to have a good time. It didn't matter what school they went to. As long as they weren't a fucking asshole or a bitch, you're cool. Let's hang out. Sure. I don't fucking know them, but as long as they're cool, if you vouch for the kid, then bring them over. And we really went all out like once upon a time a long time ago, right? It's so funny that you say that because I literally said that to Michael and Jarrett earlier today. I said one of my top 10 memories of high school was the parties that we had at Ben's house for Oaks and Derby and just like went back to back. And it was just like, I mean, I, I can't compare it to anything. And I'm here I am 11 years later and I'm like, I'm still thinking about those days. Me too. That we had those parties. It was amazing. That was really, that was one of the funnest things. And that was what kind of launched me into <laughs> a more social role, right? Like I wasn't like, 
I wasn't cool in in like middle school or like the first couple years of high school. But then, I mean, I thought I was cool, so I only hung out with cool people. And, I mean, <laughs> well, we've been friends since like fifth grade. Yeah, if we're gonna go that far back, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've had some history for sure. Yeah. Let's hear about that. Can we? Uh, <laughs> uh, this is a commercial break right now. <laughs> At uh, WDRB, they have uh, sound checks going on at one, two, three, and uh, <laughs> we were just canceled. <laughs> so no, but but I mean, getting back to that, that's always been my thing. Is just like I and I and I, honestly, like I loved that. I loved knowing kids that went to South or like that played for other teams. Like I just thought that was cool because it was just like real, recognized, real. That's like that's a universal thing. And whenever I could get together all these different groups, my favorite thing is just looking out across a room and seeing everybody having a good time and meeting people for the first time and just like blending in and knowing that everybody that I've picked to be here, as we get older, at that point, it was just like, hey, I know this person. Yeah, sure, whatever. But like now, as I'm handpicking the people that were here tonight, it's like everybody is, everybody, I don't know, everybody has their place here for a reason, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So this thought just popped in my head. So you're describing this this evening where you you've thrown an amazing party. You've got friends from a million different friends group in your house or wherever you're at, and you're just you're watching people vibe and have a great time. Yep. And now now you're in this situation. It's ten, however many years later, and you're doing the if whether you know it or not, you're doing the same exact thing. Yeah through media you're like i'm bringing people together they're listening to me and they're they're coming together through the same form of media like talking everybody's doing the same thing and you're doing the same thing that you were doing then but now just through uh, like a virtual landscape of bringing people together through this is that something you thought about or or am i just like bullshitting right now no a thousand percent it's yeah, it, it that's that's awesome. It's like on the podcast when people listen to it, they can be in their cars, they can be in the shower, they can be in the yard doing fucking work, whatever they're doing. But if they listen to something and they connect with it and they feel a community with the other people who listen or with the other people who are sharing or with the other people who are on the show, the writers that I'm talking about, like that's the whole point is like nobody is alone no matter how alone that you might feel, right? And so when I can get different people on and when I can interact with all these different people, that's the fun part of it for me is because it's like, look how many friends that I'm making, right? Look how many people are like, oh shit, there's other good people in the world that's not a bunch of assholes yelling at me on Twitter. For sure. Do you have a favorite part of this? So I've been a friend forever, but a listener for past few weeks, few months. Do you have a favorite portion of this that you do as far as – so your Uber rides are like what's kind of like the backbone of this and the stories from that mm-hmm. and then the interviews and then like stories from your life. Do you have a favorite – like do you think a part of that is going to catapult further? I think the Uber – the part that you enjoy more maybe. I think the Uber stories are the thing that'll catch on the most because people want to listen to that. It's like voyeurism. It's like I want to sit in because, you know, to me, 
if I'm if I'm listening back to the episodes and I'm listening to the dialogue between me and this writer, it's almost like listening to it puts me in the other seat. I'm in the car with them on this ride, right? Or that's at least what I hope to achieve by telling these stories and, and the experience that the listener gets. So those are fun. And I think those are the thing that catches on with other people because, I mean, I talk to literally anybody and everybody that you could ever imagine being in the car from Trumpers to black transgender people. I mean, and everything in between. It is, it's, 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 it's awesome. It's awesome. But the thing that I enjoy the most is probably, probably that. It's just like the interactions that I'm having with these people, which at this point, since I don't have a camera in there, and that's like a next step, is to have a camera and so that people can actually see like the reactions from some of these people because it's, you know, I've been doing it for so long now and it's one thing to talk about it and tell people, yeah, the feedback is great. Like you should hear the things that people are saying to me, but like when you actually can see it and hear the way that they're saying it and you see how different these people look, everybody, and the and the and the the response is the same like almost every time and it's just like okay there's really something here there's really something here and i just got to keep going with it but so that's to me is like oh i can i can connect with all these different people and to me it's not like oh i i just connect with like white males you know what i mean or like this this one type of like oh it's just i just do sports it's like no this show has something for everybody um but so if you had to choose which race and gender is the best you're canceled as fuck <laughs> he's kidding i hope he's kidding i <laughs> so kidding good god I, I, no i got this man going so hard and so in the right direction that i had to just derail it for a second i'm sorry fucking chaos mike over here <laughs> but the specials honestly like the specials weren't even something that i had planned on doing but once I literally, you guys, you don't even understand. Like once I came back from that engagement party, I was so juiced up. I literally came back home and that microphone that sits up on that fucking table when right when you walk in, I picked that thing up and I was like, you know, I was low key gone off the sour beers. And like tonight, like I'm, I'm you know, I'm probably tipsy, whatever. I'm feeling good. But like I was low key gone when I came back from that night. <laughs> And I picked up that microphone and I was just like pacing around the condo upstairs while Maddie was like passed out in bed. And I was just having like my own solo tangent. And I was like, you know what? This like I just need to obviously I'm just flowing at this point. I need to put this on tape. And I just came down here and ripped like 15 minutes just unscripted. And that is for the love of the game. It's a uh, uh, special that I reference all the time. And that happens in December. Well, then. What happens with my car sitting on the Hyundai lot is it gets hit, and then I didn't have my car for like six, not not six weeks, but like maybe like a month, maybe a month went by before this thing could get fixed, so then I can't do any rides, and then it was like, okay, now I need to do these other specials and talk about what I'm going through right now, and it was like the perfect timing because New Year's and Christmas have always been a really difficult time for me, and I think anybody that goes through divorce that then is living holidays, that can really kind of be a different experience when you have a broken family. So 
I did those episodes and then the New Year's special where I talked about like the abuse that I suffered as as a kid and um, the difficulties that I've had in maintaining relationships with both of my parents and being bipolar. It was like a lot, but that ended up being the second most listened to episode that I'd ever done, like over 230 something people. So I was like, okay, this is great because now I know that this isn't just the Uber stories, people actually are coming to this because there is like sustenance in the content. Like it's real, it's good enough, I'm good enough. And even if I have to take a couple weeks away from the Uber stories part of it, which obviously returned and is going well, this show could stand alone even if it's just me talking about my experiences. So the specials to me are something that I really have a lot of fun about because it's like, dude, the, the the Uber stories part of it is a shit ton of work. I mean, I'm typing out those stories. I'm writing those stories. And it takes me like 10 or 12 hours every Tuesday. And there's a lot of times where I will start taping, start taping at like 9 or 10 p.m., not finish editing until like 1 or 2 a.m. and walk upstairs and go to bed and then just wake up and rip it again the next day. For what it's worth, I think your, your fans for sure... Um, Anybody who's listening to you is, or anybody you're, any new listeners you're gaining, they're listening to it for you. Like the Uber stories are a plus, but like you're, you are selling yourself and your product and, and everything you're doing. The, the Uber stories are a, an outlet for it, but anything you put out is you. Yeah, including the Uber stories, including the interviews, including and, and what we're doing right now is all you doing you. So like what I'm saying, like not to just pump you up, it's like you're you'll be successful doing you regardless whether you have a car or Uber or are just talking about bullshit. Sure. And I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah. Uber is like my vehicle, I mean, literally my vehicle, but figuratively my vehicle to reach these other people and do this thing that really I'm about, which is just, I I just want to be for everybody else what I always wish that I had. Simple as that. So between, yeah, the, the specials are, <clears throat> the specials are fun in that way because they let me do that. But if I had to pick between any of them, I mean, the, inter- the, the, the interviews are awesome too, because then it's like somebody that is more famous than me, is also interested enough to spend the time doing this. But right. Yeah. I appreciate the feedback. I hope it uh takes off the way that I want it to. Uber Stories Atlanta went really well. I'll be in Nashville in a couple weeks. Um I'm trying to, you know, find other friends, basically rely on anybody that I know that I'm like Hey, I know this might sound kind of weird, but can I just like pump my air mattress up and sleep on your floor for five days? And like a lot of the people that I'm reaching out to, like I reached out to Tori Lobig because I'm like, you're the only person that I know in Chicago that would say that would say you're the only person I know in Chicago right now. Uber Cincinnati coming soon. Be ready. Mike Bond has guaranteed me a place and I will be back for Uber Stories Cincinnati. It will be a record breaking show. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, hey, I got to live up to that. So, but yeah, um, anything else? Nothing from me. I appreciate you having us over for a good time and then to 
talk shit on the mic for a few minutes. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. I've said a lot of dumb shit in about 30, 40 minutes. <laughs> you always say and, uh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, I kept it together, I think. Yeah, you did pretty good. Other than, uh, yeah, a few trying to get me canceled. You're, you're canceled for sure. <laughs> I'm not looking to be on any other platform <laughs> other than real other than real talk with Ben Tompkins. Hey. Hey. <laughs> All right guys, well thanks so much for being here. I'm I'm really glad that we could come down here and share this. This was awesome. So much fun. Thanks Ben. Whoop, whoop. Any last words from Jared the uh what were you calling yourself? Uh Jared the Genius is uh <laughs> signing out on Ben's real talk. <laughs> what? Just as Tracy Lawrence said, you find out who your friends are. You've been thinking about this the entire time. Boom. It sounded so good in my head. <laughs> that was good, man. That was a lot of fun. That was Friday night. And I really wouldn't have wanted to spend that night any other way that was uh that was a really special time so you know and at first when we were doing the flip cup game they were like you weren't playing you weren't playing like and i was like no like guys you don't understand this hosting this and narrating and just kind of like drinking on my own but like you know playing with you guys in that sense like this is like you guys being here is is enough for me like I don't want to play. I, I want to watch you guys play. I want to let you guys have a good time because just having you here is my good time, okay? Like making this possible is my good time. So that was a really, really special night. And I'm glad that I didn't drive on Friday, you know, because I wanted to kind of have a mix between, okay, this episode's going to be a lot of stories from driving, but I also wanted to have an experience of my own, a derby experience of my own, right? And so that's what Oaks is. I mean, Oaks is more for locals anyways. So there we go. We had our local day and night and uh, really had a good time with it. So then <laughs> go to sleep, right? Um, not before I did I did smash a uh, nachos party pack from Taco Bell, all right? Shamelessly. It was really good. Yeah, I kind of ate like junk food all weekend long, I'm realizing. <laughs> That's why we're doing so much cardio now. I'm, I'm killing myself on the elliptical. It's like a casual thing. Anyways, wake up the next day and, oh my God, it's the Derby. Okay? It comes once a year. Everybody in Kentucky waits on it. And Derby Day, I was uh, just about to go out and drive. You know, I was so excited. I was like, what's today going to be like? Is it going to be crazy down there? I go and get my car washed. I go and get gassed up. I'm all ready to go. And right as I was about to walk out the door and literally get my day started, that's when I got the invite via text message from the writer from Thurby saying, hey, Benny, here's this invite to Clubhouse. Like, Join using this link. And then that derailed me for about an hour and a half because my day started a little later because then at that point, 
of course, I'm so ADHD and I'm so like impulsive. I couldn't wait. I had to sign up right then and there. I had to try and master the app right then and there, of course, right? So I get on there. I set my account up. I'm like looking at the different groups to use. And I started to kind of like, you know, get used to the interface, I guess. But after a while, I finally was like, okay, okay, okay. Like I need to get out there. I'm ready. Um, I'm, I'm good with this. Let's go. So honestly, the morning, like the first three rides that I did were pretty chill. They were really chill. Um, First ride was a couple that I was taking down to the Derby. So like first ride of the day, I take them down to the Derby. I pitched them on the show, told them a couple stories. They were really into it. And like that's the thing is like going through these stories again, um, just like the Derby stories, you know, it, it wasn't like normal stories. It was mostly like, oh my God, we're going a mile a minute and hey, I do the show and I'm selling it and people are out of town. People are kind of loose, right? It wasn't like the traditional, hey, let's like dig in and give me this funny story or interesting story or sad story or like life story. It was it was more just stories on the day. So that's how this one's going to go too. Um, pitch them on the show. That was cool. And then the next rider uh, was another couple that were like going to a derby party and he was the CFO of a hotel management company. And again, I was like, hey, you need some cheap advertising? I'm your guy, all right? Now he took my card, probably not gonna do anything with it, right? But, you know, always be closing. Hey, um, third ride of the day was uh, a dancer, you know, stripper, who told me that she was working two jobs and she told me about the way that she's like supporting her lifestyle right now. Cool. And then the fourth ride of the day was a brother and a sister and they were from Arkansas and they were headed down to the Derby. And so as we started talking about Arkansas, I was like, they told me that like she had played softball for Arkansas and they told me that they were huge Arkansas fans. So I'm like, hey, what did you guys think of Bobby Petrino? She says, oh my gosh. We thought, bro, he was so weird. I mean, I met him in person and he was super weird. But when things started coming together, I was like, praise the Lord. Let's go. And her brother says, yeah, oh yeah, we were kicking butt. And she says, Alabama, LSU, us, one, two, three. And like, that was it. And then when that happened, that was just like, and the brother says, the motorcycle. Oh God, she says. It was horrible. For months after that, everybody rode around campus on the mopeds and the scooters with blow-up dolls tied to the back. (laughs) Wow, savage, super savage, so... Um, the next one was pretty funny. I had four girls who were cheerleaders at a big university get in and I told them about the podcast and they were like, no way we want to be on it. And I was like, all right, well, give me a story. And they were like, oh, well, what kind of story? And I was like, um, give me a story about the hardest you've ever snapped the dude's neck or the hardest you've ever ghosted a guy. Because I'm thinking back to my infamous Derby 17 story getting ghosted at the Kentucky Derby, which is a story for another day, my friends. One of the girls says, my Snapchat literally looks like a tender. I get dudes trying to slide all day and I just leave them on red. 
wasn't that funny, but it, it was just savage. And they were just like talking about how they do these dudes and how dudes are thirsty. And I'm like, yeah, I, I could uh, I could understand that. So then two rides later, okay, I picked up these girls from Churchill Downs and I was taking them back to uh, where they were staying. They went to a college out of state and they were staying with a friend who's from Louisville, but they said that the friend never made it to Churchill Downs. Like she passed out at the pregame or something. These friends were supposed to meet up with her. Their friend never made it. So they were kind of like trying to sober up because they were like, well, we don't want to stay here anymore. We're about to drive back. Like we're trying to, we've been chugging water. We just were ready to leave. Like the day we still had fun, but you know, yeah, I was like, yeah, your friend kind of pulled a shitty move there. You know, like that's a shitty friend move. Um, they were like, yeah, what do we tell the parents? And I was like, we'll just tell them the truth. And they were like, what? And I was like, tell them what you just told me. And they're like, well, no, like we can't do that. And I was like, why? They're like, oh, I, I don't know. Like, we, you know, I'm like, look, just tell them the truth. Like the truth is always the best way to go. Just be like, you don't have to tell them the entire truth, but tell them what's going on. Be like, look, we were supposed to meet up with your daughter. She didn't end up making it to Churchill Downs. We're ready to go. And so we're leaving. It. You don't have to tell her that like, you know, that we lost your daughter or like she never showed up and she's like fucking wasted. Like they probably can deduce that, but just tell them that you don't know where she is. And that's the honest truth. And you know what? You don't have to stick around and deal with the fallout. Your friend does. And she made these decisions. She's going to have to deal with the consequences, but you guys didn't. Right. So they're not your parents. (laughs) You just met these people. Just tell them the truth and bounce. Once you're sobered up, like, wait, you know, make sure you're good, and then leave. They're like, huh. You know, it's like the honest truth never dawned on them, right? But, like, sometimes, you, you like, covering for a friend, you can only do so much, right? And in this case, that is a shitty friend move. Like, I'd be pissed at my friend if I was from out of town staying with them, and they just ghosted me, like... You know, not of a, I guess, well, it is a fault of her own, but like it wasn't an intentional thing, but y- y- you know, like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel a lot of, um, let me put it this way. I wouldn't think twice about blowing this person's cover. I'd be like, yeah, look, your daughter got blacked out and we don't want to stay here anymore. And thanks for the place. But like, we're out. Boom. Okay. So after I dropped the girls off, I'm on my way to what I think is about to be like one of my last rides before I go in and eat because at this point, I'm hungry. I've been driving for probably four or five straight hours. I'm ready to take a little break and let my legs kind of get stretched out. And it's also about the time where if I stop now, I can get home in time to actually watch the derby race, which is cool, which I want to do, right? So... As I'm about three minutes away from this last ride, picking up this last rider, I get a call from a kid that I haven't talked to in a little bit, but who is a friend and who is actually my, he was my younger brother on our high school football team. I had two younger brothers. It was sick, okay? But he was one of my younger brothers, my little brother, and he calls me and he's like, hey, are you driving? And I was like, yeah, I am. I'm three minutes away from this other rider. What's up? 
And he was like, um, would you be able to give me a ride from Churchill Downs out to like St. Matthews? And I was like, yeah, a hundred bucks. And he was like, wait, really? I was like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm three minutes away from this guy. This will be my last ride. This works out perfectly because I'll figure out where he's going and then I'll give you an exact ETA, okay? So let me get to him and then I'll see where he's headed and then I'll text you in like five minutes. It's like, okay, cool. Hang up the phone. I get to this guy and this guy was going to Churchill Downs. So it literally couldn't have worked out more perfectly that this guy is going to Churchill, that my my little brother calls me and needs to be picked up from Churchill and taken out to St. Matthew's, which is going to take me basically on my way out to home. Okay, so it, it just worked out perfectly. I wouldn't have been able to do this if I hadn't been um, at a stopping point, but because the timing worked, and I like this kid. I was like, yeah, this is great. So, uh, you know, I got to take them home. They were cool. Um, I went home. I recharged my phone. I started to write a little bit. I ate, and the timing was perfect because literally I got home at like 6.30, and I got to watch the derby race, and so then um, I wasn't planning on betting, but I did throw down 20 bucks, just a what the hell kind of a bet. And I threw it on horse number 18, which, as you all know, is my number, okay? And I was just like, hey, what the hell, you know? And the odds, if it paid out, were like, I think on one site, it was like 33 to 1. And then on another site, it was 45 to 1. So if this thing had hit, it was going to fucking hit. All right, but it didn't, okay? Which is like, hey, you know, thanks for playing. You know, I was like, okay, whatever. 20 bucks, who cares, you know? Um, at least I did it, you know? Uh, I worked on stuff until about 8, 8.30 because like, here's the thing is, it does me no good to get down there to Churchill Downs and sit in traffic, you know? I need to be able to move from rider to rider. And yes, even though I'd be getting paid while I'm sitting there, on the highway with somebody or downtown trying to get on the highway or something. Um, I can't get to these other rides and take advantage of either the ride incentives or the hot spots. Like, you know, it was crazy, dude. I, I mean, I saw $25 per extra ride, like just because of the, the, um, heat spots, like the heat zones, right? I'm sure some of you have seen me post pictures of the maps, the way that they look and those are just like a per ride thing separate from the incentives, like 60 rides in a week, 70 rides in a week, okay? But if I am sitting in traffic, I can't take advantage of those things. Those things do me no good because I have to finish that ride. And in the amount of time that it'll take to move through a gridlock situation, like a mass exodus from everybody leaving the derby, then I'm probably just as good to chill out, not deal with that stress, come back down when the traffic is cleared, and then be able to move fluidly from ride to ride to ride to ride. So that's what I did. I I, I hung out, ate dinner, and uh, then I went back out. I almost didn't, but I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, yeah, I want to go back out. So I went back out. I did five more rides. Most of them were really chill. 
I met a girl who was with her dude, and she was telling me about how she used to dance in Miami. I'm, I, dude, I meet a lot of dancers, okay? And I'm always very interested to know, like, hey, how much money did you make, right? And unlike a lot of these other Louisville dancers that I've met who aren't necessarily the cream of the crop, let's just put it that way, um, this girl was young, she was very pretty, and she said that she worked in some of the clubs in Miami. And she said she could make $3,000 on a slow night. And I was like, damn. Okay, so what about a night where it's like VIP, you know most of the people, whether they're entertainers or ball players or rappers or whoever, but like you know people there, you, people know their names. If it's popping, what can you make on a night like that? She was like, $10,000. Holy shit. Good for you, man. I wish, you know, I, I wish there were more of a market for, for guys to do it because I would. Hey, I'd be, you know, that's that's somebody's daughter up there, but that's somebody's son up there too. I would be that guy. I could be that guy, man. I would do it. As a matter of fact, when, <laughs> quick story, I'm getting derailed here, but, um, <laughs> my buddy Max, I was the best man at his wedding. He's one of my best friends for life, and. Uh, they did a dance-off between, like, they put me against the maid of honor. They put, like, the fathers of the bride against each other. They did, like, a couple of different pairings like that. And it was a dance-off. And when they called me, we were under this tent. And the tent had these big titanium poles, like, to, to hold the structure of the tent up, right? And, I mean, I was just trying to go for the win, so when it was my time to go against the maid of honor, I just ran over to this pole in front of the entire wedding reception and just started pole dancing and grinding on this thing, and obviously they were like, whoa, but like, I clearly won. I mean, come on, let's be real, but uh, yeah, that's that's what I was willing to do to get that dub, so hey, you gotta earn it, baby. You gotta earn it. Unfortunately for me, though, no one was throwing me $10,000, which would have been fucking sweet, but you know. One can dream, okay? So, anyways, back to these stories. Um, I, I do like five more rides, okay? Um, I had a couple of really chill couples. Because, like, at, at a certain point now, it's getting past, it, it's getting to be past, like, 830, 9, 10. <laughs> People were kind of tuckered out. Most of my riders during this time period were pretty tuckered out. I think, you know, it was a long day, I was looking back there like a like a minivan mom, like huh, it was a long day. These guys are tuckered out, you know. <laughs> like everyone just kind of wanted to get home. They were kind of loosening their shirts. They were ready for food and fucking passing out. So I did have one really kind of funny one where it was a really close call. This couple who was obviously wasted. I picked them up at the. They were like wandering around one of the gates down by the expo center. And she had put in their home address, and I guess they apparently lived in Pennsylvania, and I didn't see where this ride was headed before I accepted it. I was just like on a ride, blindly accepted this one, whatever. When I actually got them into the car and I started them and I went to go route it on Waze, the thing said 24 hours and 23 minutes to get to their destination, and it wasn't even giving me directions it was just giving me like a, a a really high bird's eye view of like a route from Kentucky to Pennsylvania, and I was like, uh, "Hey guys, are we going to Pennsylvania or is this your home address?" They were like, 
oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So yeah, we got that changed and I mean, obviously there was no way that I wasn't going to catch that, right? Because obviously if I had to start taking directions and it was taking us to Pennsylvania, I'd be like, hey guys, are you sure? But like, and and you know what? What's crazy is if they would have actually been like, yeah, will you do this ride? And it took 24 hours and 23 minutes. I shit you not, I probably would have done it. Because here's what I'm thinking is not only for the story. I mean, it's all for the story. My entire life, everything I do is for the story. Okay. But also, imagine how expensive this Uber ride would have been if this thing is surging at seven or eight times and we're going to do a ride that is like, I don't even know how many miles that is, but if it literally takes 24 hours, just the time alone that you're going to run up on the app itself is going to be insane. But the distance of like, that's got to be at least a thousand miles, probably more. And I'm thinking this this could have easily been a $10,000 Uber ride. So I couldn't get $10,000 stripping, but I could get $10,000 given a ride to Pennsylvania. You know, it's like, and I would have done it. I, I would have done that. I would have done that. But luckily it was caught and they were like, oh my gosh, that would have been so bad. I was like, yeah, that would have been an insane. And like, you've seen those stories, right? You've seen those news stories where somebody is drunk, passes out, they're on a trip somewhere, they're in another city, they put an address in that's not theirs, or maybe they do it by mistake, and it's just like they think they're putting in 1234 State Street and in like Chicago, and they do it, and it's like in Miami, you know, and then they wake up and they're passed out. They're like, holy shit, well, I'm not paying for this. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, that sucks. And that would have sucked for them. That would have been sick for me. But uh, probably made a good story. But yeah, luckily I avoided going to Pennsylvania. And at this point, um, I ended the night on Derby Night with just two back-to-back chill couples. And then at that point, it was about 11 p.m. And I was exhausted. And I was ready to stop. And I also thought I was about to go and play drinking games, more drinking games with a group of people at Whitney and Jarrett's house because they were having people over that Saturday for Derby. They were having Derby party and they were hosting people all day. I said, Hey, how late are you going to be going? They were like, Hey, we're probably going to be going pretty late. I'm like, all right, awesome. Word of the wise, when your married friends say, Hey, we're probably going to be going pretty late. (laughs) What they mean is late for us. What they mean is 10 or 11.30, we're going to be passed out on our screened-in porch on the couches, okay? Because at around 11, I'm thinking, all right, I've made my money. I've got my stories. I'm going to see if they're still going. Are they still going? Yes, they are. Okay, sweet. They're at Gustavo's, but then they're going to go back. Okay, cool. Well, I'll just stop, and I'll go hang out, and I'll go spend a couple hours playing some drinking games, and then I'll go home, right? Well, when I got there, apparently I had just missed everybody. Like there was a big crowd that went to the bars. And when I get there, the lights are off. Um, the, the, the doorbell wasn't like ringing. I couldn't hear it ringing. So I don't know what the deal was with the doorbell. Tried to call my friend Whitney. She didn't pick up. I see Jarrett in the kitchen and he's like using his phone light. So I start tapping on the window 
and he like walks towards the window like what the hell and then he sees me and he's like oh my god what hey opens up the door and it's just them and he's like man you just missed everybody it's like oh man all right well no worries and he's like i'm sorry ben I'm like no nah, it's cool man um i'm like well do you guys want to kick it for a minute like you know i i drove 20 minutes to get here you know it's like and they're like yeah yeah come on we're just hanging out on the screen and porch so we went out there we were watching tv Whitney fell asleep within like the first five minutes of me being there on Jared's lap. She just like curled up in a ball, put her head on his lap, and they were sharing a blanket, and she was out. And then me and Jared stayed up, you know, talked about some college football, talked about the day, did you win any bets, how were the rides, different stuff like that. Probably hung out with him for like an hour, hour and a half, and then at that point, it was like midnight, and I was like, all right, I'm... I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm bummed I missed everybody. I'm glad that we got to spend some more time together. Um, but I'm gonna go ahead and roll out, and I'm, I'm tired, man. That's, I'm, I was so exhausted by that point. So I was like, all right, cool. So that was, uh, that was how my night ended, and I, uh, I also floated my big college football theory that I'll have to uh, save for you guys at another time. But there's a trend that I'm noticing in college football that no one else is talking about. And you guys know that basketball, eh, not really my thing. College football, I am like, I, I, I go all in on college football. And I am such a sicko that for a lot of, and thank God I'm not doing sports radio anymore, by the way, because I had no life. When college football season was going, I literally got up and watched the games on my couches. I would have six screens rolling, three TVs, two computers, and my iPad. And I would sit there on the couch from noon until 2 a.m. when the West Coast games ended because I, I just love college football that much. And I have a theory that I'll, I'll float to you guys and break it down and maybe do a little segment on that um, because I think... Uh, I think we're headed towards a certain direction, and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I know it's a good thing for a certain group of people. Um, for fans of the sport, it might be interesting and exciting, but there are a lot of other stakeholders that are not going to, to be happy to watch this trend um, continue if it goes the way that I think it's it's going to go. So I'll have to float that one for you guys, and I'll tease that for uh, for another night. Um, but yeah, man, that was it. That was my Derby day. Another Derby in the trenches, last man standing vibes. I was literally the last man standing for the love of the game vibes. This one was for the books, man. And all in all, I finished the week with a new PR of 83 trips. I drove almost 2000 miles. I worked over 60 hours between driving and the podcast, but all of that is like, I was I I I I wanted to wake up and do it all again. Like I I had to force myself to take Sunday off and just be like, "Hey, let's just relax. You're going to have a lot of work to do on this episode. Let's just take it easy and let's just make sure that this episode is good to go." And so I worked on the episode all Monday and Tuesday and as of uh, me taping this right now, it's 10 p.m. on Tuesday night. I'm going to finish some edits and then this will be done. And I'm going to blast this out to uh, the Louisville market on on uh, social media like Facebook and advertising and uh, Instagram advertising. So if you are new to the show, 
and you like this episode, go check out some of the other ones. Uber Stories Part 29 was a banger, so was 28. Uber Stories Atlanta was a banger. In a couple weeks from now, I'm going to have Uber Stories Nashville. So really exciting things going on here. And if you uh, want to be a part of it, then just come back every Wednesday, man. And please drop me a rating and a review and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That would really, really help me out. So um, I met a lot of uh, really cool people last week. I got some great stories. I got invited to the clubhouse. I might have met a potential sponsor. I'm very happy with the way that last week went. And I wouldn't be able to do a week like that and turn around and want to do the exact same thing this week if I really didn't enjoy what I was doing and feel like connected to a greater purpose outside of just me. And like Mike was talking about, like that was really cool to hear. That was really, really encouraging feedback. And passion is what is going to get you through the tough weeks and months and years, man. Whether it's a marriage or working a job, like passion and a true love for what you're doing or who you're doing it with or or why you're doing it or, you know, all of these things, like the passion and the love has to be there because on days that feel more like work rather than I love my job, you got to be able to remind yourself of, hey, yeah, today is kind of tough, but 95% of the time, I fucking love this job. I, I, I killed and moved mountains to get this job, right? And we got to have those days to keep us honest and keep us balanced. But like, I couldn't do this and exhaust myself the way that I did last week if it wasn't real. And that's how I know it's real because after last week, I couldn't fucking get up and wait to do it again. And you know what? I don't know if I'll ever do 70 rides in a week. I mean, maybe if the incentive is stupid. I've seen it even higher than than what I got for doing 70 rides in a week. So I might do it again. I don't know. I, I, I honestly loved being able to say like, yeah, I went for the highest one and I fucking did it. And I did it in three days, dude. That's like, that's a flex, dog. That's a fucking flex, G. <laughs> So I'm, uh, yeah, man, that's important to have. I, I wish you the same type of success that I'm having right now. I wish that you do something currently that makes you feel as excited to get up and go do it week after week and day after day and month after month and year after year. Like I want that for you. And I hope everybody in their career is able to have that. Now that's not the reality of, of the universe and, and of life, but, uh, if you're stuck in a job that you don't really vibe with and you got a boss that you fucking hate like I did and you're just not really happy with where you're at in life, just blow it up. Just blow it up, man. Just try something new. Just go for it. You know, fuck it. Why not? You're not getting any younger. Yeah. Go listen to Younger by Kygo. You ain't getting any younger, 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 are you? No, you're not. So... Please, please, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And come back next week for Uber Stories Part 30. Hey, let's go. So we got that next week, and then Uber Stories Nashville, and then I'll be in uh, Tallahassee in uh, two weekends from now, celebrating my girlfriend's graduation from college. And uh, I'm going to go check out Madison Social. I've heard some really good things. Heard some really good things. So really excited for that trip. Everybody be well. Take care, my friends. I'll be back next week. Make sure you follow me on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram at BennyTomp18. And (laughs) just keep going. Whatever you're dealing with in life, just keep going, man. Until next week, I'm Ben Tompkins. 
That's real talk. 